All right, welcome everybody to episode 117 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Uh, the whole crew has returned this time around, so we're glad to see everybody back. Uh, Bill and Kelsey, it's always entertaining. We've been doing our little bit of pregame chat before the show, but you know, I always think after I'm like, we should just start recording because this even just this riffing. I mean, I think the people School. that listen to the show would just like. Well, they would just go like, okay, this is these guys. I get it, right? Like, we're listening to all the other conversations. Why not get this, too? Um, and maybe you'll get some context. You, you guys probably don't miss a lot, but you know, <laughs> usually there is some preamble before we go. But anyway, um, kind of just some general housekeeping for the show stuff. I just always definitely want to start out by thanking our patrons very much. It's always wonderful to chat with you guys over on Discord. And um, speaking of that, uh, when we get to the topic a little bit later, I've got some... Uh, comments from our patrons to throw into that but we'll get to that a little bit later if you want to join the fray you can uh, patreon.com slash collector cast toss in a book and come chit chat with us we're a good group of folks and uh, it's tight-knit group that's kind of the way i like it so uh good folks and uh, you'll get to hear some interesting stuff including uh, you know, like a comment the other day about somebody's need to use the lavatory. I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why that was in discord, but <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate sometimes you're in a place and you have an urge and you are stuck and you just <laughs> got to communicate your, your feelings. So I got, I got no problem with that. <laughs> but anyway, um, getting on to things, you know, um, you know, we always start things out by catching up with everybody and seeing how things are going. So I am going to start with Bill. And uh, so, Bill, what's what's new in your neck of the woods? So uh, I got my uh, little list here of things I've been doing. So I'll just start off with what I've been playing. Um, and you would think I'd be playing some more Destiny 2, but for some reason it just hasn't been uh, been something that has been drawing me to play it. Um, I'm sure I will again. I've been in touch with a few of the clan guys, and we're going to get like a night together to do some dungeons and maybe uh, kind of have them teach me the raid at some point. But it... I've said before, it's the kind of thing where I kind of need to have like a few hours to dedicate to it. And just the way my evening gaming sessions have been lately, they've just been a little bit shorter than that. And I don't want to, you know, uh, dedicate a, a smaller amount of time to it than I can sit down and play. So uh, I've mentioned uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere else before that uh, I was going to be trying Vampire Survivors. So this is a game that's been on my radar for a little while. I this is months ago I did this search for, you know, like what are, you know, some good Steam Deck games so I could play something, you know, kind of like uh like shorter sessions on the go. So I've known about this game for a while. The reviews are, you know, really really great and uh it showed up the last uh, uh the last uh, show we did where we were talking about um the uh the top 100 uh, uh played games on the Steam Deck in the last year. It was like way up there like number like two or three or something like that so i was like all right well that's the last you know hint that i need to go grab it plus it's five dollars and uh, it was 20 percent off when i got it so it was four dollars <laughs> um so i uh, i think i played it like for one evening and it's it's like um uh it's it's a game where like you know it's it's a roguelike so like you you kind of put together a run with a build and then like it's over and then it's like okay like one more run one more run like that kind of game and i think the first night i played it i did like you know kind of two or three little runs just trying to figure in the game out and the next day is when i posted in discord i was like man this game is legit like it's really 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 good um, I don't know my exact hour count on it, but uh, it's it's up there. And the reason it's able to be up there is because I can just pop it open in like 15 minutes. Like there's there's a run. 
Um, and then, you know, like, okay, well, you know, kids are in bed. Like you're ready to start watching something. Oh, like, you know, just give me, let me brush my teeth. I'll be right out there. There's a run, you know, like that kind of thing. But man, is it good. Uh, it's, uh, it's not super hard to describe. It's basically like you, there's a whole bunch of different, um, characters you can play as some, uh, are vampires, some are not vampires, some are former vampires, so there's like an a la carte kind of vibe there. Um, and each of them has like a different well, he, starting he's not ability. Former vampire, he's still a vampire. He just no, yeah, I guess I don't mean doesn't former like vampire. his father. Yeah. yeah, like kind of like a like a vampire he's a friendly who's not vampire on the on the uh, bad yeah. vampire team. Yeah, yeah, v- vampire helping people. What is this. a man? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, so everyone's got like a different starting ability and like a different intrinsic ability, or in some cases, disability, like, you know, like, per, like, you know, negative, uh, you know, movement speed or like something like that, but maybe something else to kind of make up for it. And it's super interesting because you actually can't do anything in the game except move. Uh, so like you'll have abilities that'll allow you to attack but the attacks happen automatically on a cooldown timer. You don't trigger them, which is really weird at first. So all you, and it's, it's kind of becomes like uh, so like you'll start and you're a very small character kind of in the middle of the screen in, you know, like a big, you know, then there's, there's a dozen or so worlds right now or levels that, and you keep unlocking more. And so you might start out in like a forest and it's like, okay, like now enemies kind of like start slowly coming after you. And you only have maybe one weapon at the start, so you got to kind of, you know, avoid them. And you might have knives, but, like, one knife will just shoot out of your guy the the direction you're facing every, you know, five to seven seconds or something like that. But you don't – so you don't choose when it happens. You just choose, like, where you're looking. So um, – and then as you kill enemies, not every single enemy, but most enemies will drop a little blue crystal, which is experience. And so you grab some experience – and then once your experience gauge on the top fills, you get a choice between three more abilities. If you're lucky, you'll get a choice between four more abilities. So one of the things you can get is uh, luck to give yourself more of a chance to get four different abilities. And each one of these has uh, levels. So you can, you know, you can just keep getting knives and get like, you know, up to level eight or nine knives. And then you can evolve your knife ability and it becomes this constant barrage. And it's like it. And then there's like the Bible that kind of you know circles around you one of them at first and then it goes away and if you keep getting bibles it'll be more and more and more of them and once it's fully evolved it's like a force field almost so garlic is like a little force so what's really cool about it is they don't really explain very much to you they it's just the game starts and it's like all right here you go and there's no like tutorial there's no like this is how it works you just kind of learn by doing which in this type of game i think really is the best teacher because it just drips information at you like a little bit at a time and there's just something so crazy satisfying about getting your build so powerful that you feel like nothing can kill you um and uh so there's all different like um there's all these different in-game achievements that are lot that are linked to unlocking more weapons more abilities more characters more levels um you know uh what do you call it the uh uh music mode where you can kind of you know like go listen to whatever music you want put whatever music on the levels you want uh it's there's so much to it and i can't remember the last time there was that much stuff uh in like a you know essentially a five dollar game 
Um, and then I didn't realize this was a, a thing, but the uh, uh, what was it? The BAFTA Awards were last week, mm-hmm. and Vampire Survivors took a Game of the Year, which I didn't realize it was in that conversation. So I was like, "Oh, this is so crazy!" Like I I just got into this game like a week or two before it kind of you know ends up taking this uh, Game of the Year prize, but. I mean, for $5, like, how can you go wrong? And it's not a roguelike in the sense that the levels are randomly generated because they're not. The levels are the same. I mean, the the enemies that are coming at you, like that kind of, you know, those might change or the order might change. But really, it's a roguelike in the sense that your your character every time, if you choose different characters, and your build every time is going to be different because you'll have to make decisions based on what's presented to you. And there's only there's a max number of weapons you can have. So you'll you'll kind of reach like I forget what level it is, like 50 or 60 or something like that. And then every time you level up, you won't get a choice of a new weapon. It's like, OK, you can either have like a bag of coins or, you know, like a, a, a health to, you know, like a, a, a restore your health when it hits 30 minutes everything on the screen disappears and this insane boss enemy shows up that has one shotted me every time I've gotten <laughs> to it. So I, there's some secret to getting past that, that I haven't figured out yet, but the, so I mentioned the money that you get on your runs, very similar to rogue legacy and a lot of other games like this, you can use for permanent upgrades on future runs where you like, you gain more experience per, you know, per crystal, or you slowly regen health at like a higher rate. Like there's all these, you know, uh, different kind of abilities like that. But yeah, every single time I go, uh, go to play it, I just check my little list of like, okay, like what are my unlocks that I'm close to? And I just kind of try to make sure I do like one of those on my next run. Uh, but it's terrific. Um, it's really, really, really great. And the kids have kind of seen me play it a little bit. And, and my middle guy will be like, Hey, when, when you're done, can I do a run? And then I'll like watch him do a run. And then when I get to choose a weapon, they're like, they're like, Ooh, Ooh, candelabra, candelabra. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know, man. Like, that's a good one. But like, I'm trying to, you know, evolve this and I've already got spinach going. I got garlic. So there's this cool ability that we just unlocked like yesterday called banish. And, uh, so it's up to four times on a level up, you can banish one item, meaning it won't show up anymore in your level up choices, giving you a, a higher chance of getting stuff you might actually want. And there are unlocks in that uh, achievement list that allow you to uh, purchase more instances of banish. So just there's all these mechanisms to allow you to do better on future runs or, you know, give you like tools to, to customize your runs further as you kind of keep gaining experience. Cause a lot of times with similar games like this, it's like, all right, I kind of reach a point where I'm as I feel like I'm as powerful as I'm going to get. And now it's just kind of about, you know, putting together a good run or putting together a good build. And this really similar to Hades, if I feel like there's things that I can do like over and over if I really want to focus on, you know, kind of that that min max element or just really, uh, you know, getting the the type of build together that I really want. So. Um, it's been fantastic. Um, I believe it's, uh, I know it's on Xbox Game Pass. It's on Steam. Uh, we checked the Switch eShop to see if uh, it was a potential uh, candidate for the Switches, but it's not on the eShop. So I think I it's just it PC was. and Xbox. Hmm. Yeah, just no, search for it. To the, unless it's coming out, but we searched the eShop for uh, Vampire Survivors, <laughs> did not find it. So. So yeah, Vampire Survivors, highly recommended. Five bucks, can't go wrong. If it's on Game Pass, you can try it already. Uh, unfortunately, no cross-save, um, as that would be awesome, because I could you know, kind of pop from one to the other. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, 
and that's really been it on the the gaming side for me because the the Steam Deck has been the only thing that I've really kind of uh, popped over to for some gaming. So a uh, quick little gaming uh, uh, piece for me. So moving on to what I've been listening to, I got tickets to see a band that I've loved since high school and never gotten the chance to see. Uh, it's they're called Social Distortion. Um, I'm as excited for this show as I have been for any show uh, that I've gone to see in the last couple of years. Um, I love this band. Uh, they're kind of like an Orange County, California uh, punk. Uh, it's they're hard. It's hard to describe because it's not like kind of like they've been around since the '80s, but it's kind of like this like '50s, you know, kind of rockabilly type punk vibe to it. Um, they're really, really, really cool. Um, if anyone was going to give them a listen, I'd recommend the uh, the album from the 2000s called um, uh, Sex, Love and Rock and Roll um, is probably my my current favorite album from them. Uh, so, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of them, uh, listening to our buddy Sean's uh, album that he put out on. Uh, I've been listening on Spotify. It's called Wing Diver. So, again, proud of Sean for getting some music out there in the world. And uh, I think he's actually got uh, uh, the website up, might even be an option for some merch there i think i saw maybe rich uh maybe ordered a t-shirt or something so i'm gonna have to check that out um but yeah other than that i i, I tend to listen to what i have tickets to go see um so i got weezer coming up uh, but I, i'm usually listening to weezer pretty regularly so nothing super different there and what i tend to do is i used to really like to be surprised when i go to a concert and kind of like you know whatever they sing is what i'll enjoy but then I've, I've run into situations before where they'll be singing something and I'm like, oh, man, this song is awesome. I really wish I could sing these words. But like this is, you know, this isn't what I'm familiar with. So I do check Setlist uh, FM uh, before I go to a show. So basically when when Weezer starts this tour that they're about to kick off, I'll take a look at the set list and just kind of like fill in any blind spots I have just so I kind of can, you know, join in the fun once the, uh, the concert starts. So I'll do the same thing with... Um, uh, there's a show uh, in September. I've never seen Alice Cooper, so this is um, oh, Rob Zombie. Yeah, so it's Rob's. It's it's called Freaks on Parade. I think it's Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper, and then a handful of like smaller bands. Uh, one of which I'm very excited to see is Filter. I've always loved Filter, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've just uh, Alice Cooper's been on the list for a long time, and they're coming to Hartford, so that nice. will be uh, nice and easy for us to go to. That that's w- in September. That was supposed to be my son's first concert. We had tickets to go, and then COVID hit, mm. and they shut down the, mm. the tour and never rescheduled it. Oof, that's Alice too bad. Cooper's amazing. Yeah, and it's it's and I've never just never, you know, it never just been on my radar, never had the chance. And now that I'm just looking at concerts and I don't know if, if it's just me, but like I feel like festivals this year are back. Like I'm seeing like things all over the place, like these three, four day things. And I know they've happened in the past, but like I feel like every other day I'm there's like a new one, like, you know, like Louisville or Ohio or Florida or Vegas or like every single weekend seems like it's like a four day 500 band uh, festival. So nothing near me. So uh, I, I had a friend uh, ping me asking me if I wanted to go to a uh, power trip, um, which uh, it's, it's, if you live right near, it's where um, it's where Co- it's on, at the site where Coachella is in California. I forget what that area is called. Um, so it, it would obviously be a plane ticket for me because I'm on the opposite coast and it's, uh the the sunday is the one the one i care most about that's metallica and tool and then i think it's acdc and ozzy the day before and then i want to say friday is 
I thought Ozzy said uh, he wasn't doing shows anymore. I thought that too. And, but I, I think he's retiring from shows and there's going to be just, just a handful left and that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I apologize. I forget Friday. Um, let me just, I'll just do it real quick. Just so with the magic of editing, it'll sound like we knew what it was going to be the whole time. No, there's no magic in our editing. Trust me. <laughs> Uh, so, so these tickets start at $600 for these six bands. Um, oh, there we go. So Friday, I'll do the whole thing. So Friday night is Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden. Saturday is ACDC and Ozzy. And then Sunday is Metallica and Tool. And if you're a mega fan of all of these bands, you're essentially paying a hundred bucks to see each one. So it's not the worst Mm -hmm. deal ever. Um, but there are festivals that are like $300 for three days that have like bands all day long and then headliners in the evening so for me i'd probably like to you know try to see something that has a bit more content so yeah no festival scheduled for me as of yet but uh just the fact that i've been learning some uh some uh some aussie uh uh, licks uh, from my guitar teachers kind of got me listening to not just black zach wilde will be pointing at you he's like that guy's air guitaring perfectly his his (laughs) technique's flawless like, I don't know you, man, but I love your form. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've been I've, I've been working on No More Tears, which is just a blast of a song to play, and the solo will take me, you know, the rest of my life to to get up to speed. But like, it doesn't matter. It's just so much fun. Uh, so yeah, so that's what's going on in uh, in music. Um, and uh, as far as watching, uh, just got a, a handful of movies to mention here. I ended up watching The Whale. Um, which at, I wasn't really crazy about seeing, like it just didn't seem, you know, subject matter wasn't kind of like up my alley. I, I'm, I tend not to go for stuff that's like just depressing real life stuff. But I was like, you know what? He won the Oscar. I like him. Like, let me just give it a watch. And it was much mu- like I don't want to say much better than I thought it was going to be because I knew it was going to be good. It did. It wasn't like the, you know, the it's a downer because it's just a uh, it's a sad story. But. I was glad I watched it because it, I do feel like it ends on a high note if, if, you know, without spoiling anything. So enjoyed that with all the, the listening to you guys and your, uh, your creed talk. Uh, I had to, I went back and I, uh, I, I think I watched creed one and two. And I think we might've talked about that in a past show. I still haven't seen creed three, but it just kind of got me in like that Rocky sort of mood. And I just randomly threw on Rocky one one day and Rocky one's one of these movies that always hits me just how good it is. And sometimes you, you, you think of like, you know, like old films is like, Oh, well, you know, it's old and they didn't know what they were doing in the seventies or like whatever. Every time I see rock, like every scene, every, and like what strikes me about Rocky, what, what strikes me about Rocky. And there's a, there's a handful of movies like this. There's, almost no music in it at all it's almost just all people talking and scenes and everything and then when the music does happen it hits hard whatever the scene is whether it's you know to pump you up to make you understand how sad something is and the scene where like he chases after mick like after he's like asking him to be his manager because if you had only ever seen like the later Rocky movies, you would assume, oh, they were like friends forever. And they absolutely were not. And <laughs> the, the way the relationship kind of starts out and the way that him and Adrian built like because him and Adrian are Rocky and you could even argue Rocky, too. And like they're a part of the later movies, obviously, because they're a married couple. 
but like Rocky one is so, so, so centered around that love story. Exactly. Yeah. And how really she's like too good for him. Yep. And, and then you get like that whole dynamic with Polly and like, he's just got to be there. Right. If you want, if you want to, if you want to date Adrian, you're going to be stuck with Polly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Rocky one is sensationally good in the most understated way possible. It's nothing is shoved in your face. Everything is just presented to you. And it just is that good. Um, and it always surprised, like I should know by now, okay, I've seen it over and over again. It's good. Every time it floors me every time I like go back and watch Rocky one. And I would say the same thing about Rocky two, but like in my mind, always Rocky two has been like one of the most, if not the most underrated Rocky movie. It's so close to the story of Rocky one. It, it's right after it ends. It's, you know, similar time period. There's different struggles. Like it really is like, uh, like they that almost in, feel like two films that it, are one. It, it does. It feels like, like a lot, like, um, there's a bunch of examples, but like how, like Halloween one and two, like Halloween two starts like the minute Halloween one ends and it just continues that same night. I really feel like one and two are the same. And then when you get to three, it's like, okay, there's a little montage because he's had a bunch of title defenses and now we're in a different era. Rocky one and two are the same, you know, the same animal. Um, So yeah, man, it's for anyone who's already seen these, I'm telling you something you already know. Uh, If you never have, and you're just slightly curious, man oh man go back and watch rocky one and rocky two they're unbelievable uh rocky three is one of uh my favorites uh i know it's a little goofy um you got the whole thunder lips hulk hogan thing which is just like Happy you birthday, know Polly. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just you know it's just a big you know kind of goofball cheesy uh you know it's got or sorry i should say it's got some goofball cheesy segments to it I love so many sequences in this movie. I love the way that Apollo and Rocky's friendship, uh, you know, comes back and and starts really uh, fresh in this movie all over again. Uh, I love that this is where the seed is planted, where he's going to end up training with Apollo's team later in the series. Uh, I think T is just man like just one of the most impressive like physical specimens caught on film in that era um some of the like you know like doing pull-ups like with like string or like rope like on his hands um just how he's such a character but you believe 100 percent of it there's so many people you see in movies where you're like ah they're just playing someone i feel like he just showed up and they turned the camera on <laughs> um and also like i've said for years the first round that because for the entire series rocky just gets beat up because he has awful defense, right? That, All of the time. That's how Rocky wins every fight. You just yeah, wear uh, the opponent uh, uh, out from yeah. beating you to death. Yeah. No, he's not getting killed. He's getting mad. <laughs> so uh, the the first round that Rocky fights against um, uh, uh, Lang is technically the best round of boxing in the entire franchise. I don't think he gets hit once. He slips every jab. All he's doing is jabbing and countering, and it's the round where at the end of it, Lang has like that... like meltdown temper tantrum and like before he kind of destroys him in the next round they're like all right like we got to get him in this next one so it's also the only fight that doesn't have like an, an enormous montage from like rounds three to 14 or 15 when the fight's <laughs> going to eventually end because it's a very fast fight um so i love a lot about it i also watched rocky four because why not yeah. if you're like you know on this tear and this is one that like in my head 
having not seen them in a while, it's like, oh, like this is one of my favorites, one of the best. And what I did not remember about this, because I never paid attention before, it's 90 minutes long. I don't remember in my head this being like a super short, quick, but like as I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, it's one thing to the next. A lot of them were, yeah. There there weren't runtime. There weren't, yeah. And like these days, that's like, oh, wow, it's only 90 minutes. It must be a comedy or not have a big budget (laughs) or something. But uh, yeah, it was very quick. And um, there's the same thing. I love a lot of scenes in it. There's a lot of things that happen very quickly because I think they're sick of doing this same thing over and over again. They're like, okay, well, Adrian's going to not be okay with it. She's going to come around pretty quickly. And then, you know, so uh, it's it's as good as I remember it. It's uh, it it's weird because there it's I don't want to say there's fall off from like one, two and three, but it's a different animal. And they rely okay. very, very much on that uh, emotional uh, hit of losing Apollo. And it becomes like a revenge movie. Right. As opposed to like, you know, kind of like fighting like for yourself. Um, and it has this really weird, you know, motivational speech at the end, like after the fight that like I could kind of take or leave. Um, and then uh, I didn't watch Rocky five because I have seen it before. And uh, Tommy, Gun. yeah, Tommy, the machine gun. Uh, I re- there's scenes I remember from angry, it that I probably would re enjoy. But yeah, I, I just decided to pull the plug there. So um, it's probably yeah, went on a little bit to Balboa. I mean, what? that would be. No, yeah, I jumped Balboa. Yes, if I if I decided to keep so what I might do is I might jump to Balboa, and then um, since I watched Creed one and two, I probably won't do them again. That'll just I'll then I'll take a break until Creed three. So so yeah, that's uh, got all my all my Rockies out of the way. Uh, Again, man, oh man, if you haven't seen one and two, please please go watch one and two. What is it HBO that they're all on? I I forget what one service has them all. I think it's HBO. Yeah, it's HBO right now. And uh, so the next thing, uh, there's a TV show on Showtime that my sister had recommended to my wife and I for a while. It's called Yellow Jackets. I didn't really know much about it. I don't know if you guys have heard of this or uh, familiar at all. It's uh, been advertised to me heavily on my television, but I haven't okay. actually watched it. Gotcha. Uh, if you are familiar with the television show Lost from you know abc uh, back in the day that's the yeah. closest thing i could compare it to it's been, yeah. so the yellow jacket i will never watch this show then is, is there you I'm go hearing. yeah it's on, <laughs> honestly if you didn't like i mean they're not the same thing but if you didn't like that style of show you're not going to like this style I, of no show. i loved that style of show oh so much we were obsessed with it and i was so angry about it when it was done that i i still have bad feelings about it so any oh, comparison okay. to lost i just immediately have bad feelings about it oh I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, really, really loved Lost for a long time. And I, I can't pinpoint the moment where it lost me. But at some point, it didn't hold the magic that it held for me earlier on. Um, yeah. But I get, that's kind of, you know, part of what happens when the show is built on these, these big mysteries with like little reveals. It's like, OK, at some point. There has to be a bigger reveal, right? And like, no, there it, doesn't. It, apparently, if you watch the yeah, last, nope. <laughs> they never have to explain anything. <laughs> nope. All they want to do is give you tiny little pieces. One of the t- it's a lot like a JRPG in that way. Are we ever going to find the origin story? No, we're just going to keep giving well, you little th- hints after you defeat the last boss. Then they wrap everything up real quick in like thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so you defeated so, God. Your memory's back. Yeah. Congratulations. So uh, the name Yellow Jackets refers to um, it's a girl's. I want to say high school 
yeah, high school soccer team. Uh, and the show starts and they're like they're winning their like penultimate game and they're about to like go to states and compete or sorry. No, they won their state championship and they're about to fly to some place to compete in the nationals. And so they fly towards wherever the nationals are going to be. Their plane crashes and the surviving ones have to figure out like a way to survive. So like that's the story that is happening in the past but also what's happening is the survivors like 20 years later are like living in the present they so really it goes, did lost yeah yeah so times. it goes so it goes because a lot of what lost is is they'll go they'll go back to before the plane crash and then so you'll kind of see some origin story so this is similar to that but it's like you're already in the present you know the plane has crashed and then they'll go back and then you'll see the young stuff so it's like Sometimes you don't know why someone is being cold to somebody and then you'll go back to the segment where they're like, you know, crashed in the woods and it's like, oh, that's why they're not cool with each other because that happened type thing. The other thing is, since they're showing you adults in the present, you know that those people survived. So you there's no risk for them when you go back to the uh, time when they're crashed in the forest because you know that they make it. Um, and then there's people who we haven't seen yet. As, and I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, do you think there's people who have survived that we just haven't seen yet as adults? And she's like, oh, yeah, there has to be. And there's a reveal at the end of the first season that there is someone who's still alive and they're blah, blah, blah. So um, no spoilers or anything. Um, it's uh, uh, it, it is that kind of show. I'm not going to. It's not earth shattering. It's not groundbreaking. Um, a lot of the actors I like a lot. I love Melanie Linsky, who is most recently we saw in The Last of Us. She was uh, like in that second or third episode. Um, she was like the like run in the city uh, uh, before like that big, you know, like ex like explosion of uh, of infected men uh, left. Um, uh, who else? Um, it's um, Juliette Lewis. Um, who I haven't seen in a while, who I like a lot. Yeah. Um, there's there's a bunch of actors who I do not know. Um, it's for the most part done very well. Um, it is a little bit uh, over dramatic, but like I get it. It's a drama. They have to you know like be melodramatic about some stuff. And the fact that we're dealing with like teenage high school girls, <laughs> you deal with the type of things that they would think are big deals and you know like in their world and i'm kind of looking at my wife and i'm like they know this isn't a big deal right and she's like yeah but like they're teenage girls so like that's why it's a big deal to them um uh so yeah it's uh you know if if you like that lost kind of deal where like there's some time hopping and there's you know there's kind of some whodunit elements and you know like why did this happen and like who's pulling the strings type deal um, we finished the first season. Um, it's good enough where we are going to continue to the second season. Um, but yeah, not, uh, you know, not going down in history is one of the best things ever, but uh, enjoyable enough. And we'll, we'll keep going with it. Um, I watched what I have read. Many people consider to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest foreign films of all time. I've always wanted to check this one out. So I'm really curious to hear about it. So what I will tell you about Akira Kurosawa's The Seven Samurai is that it is the definition of a slow burn. Uh, this movie is made in 1952 or four, uh, somewhere, somewhere thereabouts. 
there have been many attempts at remakes and kind of like Magnificent Seven is a is a retelling of, of this story. It's basically a uh, a small town or village that bandits are constantly attacking and they, they go to attack them and the bandits are like, we just attacked them recently. Let's wait till like, you know, spring or like the next season when they'll have like, you know, like a new harvest or whatever. The townspeople overhear this. They know they're on a deadline for the bandits to come back. So they decide they're going to hire some samurai to help, like, protect them and defend the town. So Magnificent Seven is the same story. Like, there's this town that needs help protecting them from, like, you know, these uh, these bandit cowboy types. So they go hire, like, some gunmen, you know, some uh, to, to kind of protect them. Um, it's It's very, very good, but it's super deliberate. So... There are no short scenes in this movie. Like if 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 they want to convey an idea about a person being a certain way or having a certain value, that scene might take 14 minutes. Right. Like whereas like if you watch something today, that might be like a 30 second type thing. So it's it's easy to watch it and think, okay, this is boring or like that scene didn't need to be that long. But when you really just kind of take it for what it is and just watch that entire scene, it's perfectly done. Um, it's impeccably shot. It's really beautifully uh, made um, for something that was made in the 50s. It doesn't look like it was made in the 50s. Um, I don't know if that uh, speaks to the quality of the transfer, the Criterion transfer that I watched. Um, but uh, it's very, very, very good. But it's very slow burn. Um, so if uh, and I've said this before, sometimes black and white movies do something with my brain where they just make me sleepy. Um, <laughs> so I made sure I had, I mean, not a, not a shot of espresso, but I had like a little sip of coffee, you know, kind of when we got it started just to make sure that I had like a little bit of extra energy and I was able to make it through and it, it's on the long side. It's like three plus hours. Um, the version that I watched, there is an intermission like a lot of those old movies had where like the word intermission would just show up for like 15 20 minutes sane yep yeah uh-huh. yeah and i think uh, like godfather might have had uh, that and like uh, some others over the years um but yeah it's um we were talking a little bit about this um i think off air how i personally have issues remembering and assigning names that are not like in my common vernacular to to faces and people in movies and video games so it's very easy for me to see someone on screen and hear someone say oh that's brad and i'm like yep that's brad i got it that's bob right but it's a lot different when there's 15 20 different people with complex japanese names uh i just it's i just find it very difficult so i couldn't tell you the name (laughs) of any character in it i just can like see the face and know like oh that's you know, grumpy and that's happy and that's dopey. Like they all kind of have uh, qualities to them. And one of them is like always smiling and like you just smile when you see them because you know how positive they are type deal. And one of them you think is really a jerk, but then you find out later that he's doing that to like bring out the best in people type thing. So you really kind of get to a reveal on each of these characters over the the course of the the preparation phase of the movie. And then on the attack, like so many modern movies, they the attack is like fairly brief it's like the last like you know 10 15 minutes of the movie and then it's over then it's done like the first half the movie is the prep and like a little less than the second half of the movie like is like the final kind of like battle sequence like taking out each bandit it's like a mini boss like taking out each like bandit takes a little bit of time and some thought and some planning and you can tell they're using the lessons that they learned like throughout the preparation phase 
Uh, so that's really done really well. Uh, I don't want to tell any things that would be spoilery because there are some, you know, some things that you don't expect to happen kind of towards that phase there. But uh, if, I mean, I would say if you've been curious about this and none of that turns you off, like, then yeah, give, give it, you know, make sure you have, you know, some time set aside or maybe like a couple of sessions set aside. Just know going in that it is a slow burn. Um, and if I had to watch it, I watched it uh, uh, subtitled because it felt right to me to do it that way. I would actually give it a try dubbed just to see if I'm able to match the names a little bit better with people speaking the names uh, uh, consistently. Um, but yeah, Seven Samurai um, overall was solid. Um, if if you know, if very different for like a seventy you know plus year old movie at this point. So, and now we get to the polar opposite of uh, the Seven Samurai with the two movies that I saw in the theater this weekend. I found myself with the rare uh, kind of free night where my wife was like, "Yep, I put the kids down. I'm just gonna go to bed. Like, do whatever you want." And I was like, "Okay." I was gonna go downstairs and play some video games or watch a movie or something. And I was like, "Wait a minute, John Wick Four is out." So I went to the theater and I watched John Wick Four uh, by myself. Well, you know, with other people in the theater. John Wick 4 is awesome. <laughs> it is so good. And, you know, because you see John Wick 1 and it's solid. And then 2 is good, but it's not 1. And then 3, it's like, oh, it's good. But, you know, like, and you hate to just be the the, the pessimist. It's, ah, oh, they're, they're steadily getting worse. That's but, how I felt about them all, yeah. Yeah, and, and none of them are awful. It's just each one was, a, was not as good as the one before it, in, yes. in my personal opinion. Yeah. So John Wick Four is awesome. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't compare it to one because it's a completely different animal. One is kind of like a standalone, and then later on in two you find out oh there's this whole underground world, and now it's about the world building of that whole thing. Four is like the most uh, uh, they could do with like the world building of uh, you know like the table and where that's at, and um, so I'll try I'll, I'll try to do no spoilers at all. Um, What's really cool is, well, cool or not cool, depending on how you look at it, they don't do anything to explain anything that has happened in John Wick 1, 2, or 3 in this movie. I mean, nothing. So if you didn't know going in, you're, it's going to take you just a little <laughs> bit to figure out what is the table, who is the hotel manager, uh, and um, unfortunately uh, for our, our dearly departed friend Lance Reddick, um, he, he doesn't appear much in this film. Um, so that's, it's a little bit of a shame cause I thought we'd see maybe a little bit more of him. We see him for a little bit and we don't see him a lot after that. Um, but really this movie is about John wick is trying to free himself of his obligation to this, like, you know, like overseer of this, like kind of hitman underworld. And that's all he kind of got to know. And it's really just him kind of like trying to find his friends and trying to get out from like, you know, under this contract. And I'm telling you, it never stops. And a lot of movies that never stop, it's like, oh, I don't know. Like, it doesn't, it feels like it's moving too fast. Or I don't know what's going on. Never felt it. Um, and it was, all, I think it was almost three hours long. And it never felt like it was going on too long. There's so many scenes in it that, you know, like after The Matrix came out and like, you're like, man, we're going to be referencing, you know, like we're like the, where Keanu like swings into the glass and then like it like explodes outward. Like yeah. there's just, there's just those classic scenes that you're going to reference for years. And this movie has like multiple of those scenes where like once everyone's seen it, it's going to be like that scene, like that's the one. Uh, 
without spoiling anything, there's a there's a scene that's a one shotter, so no cut, and I don't know if they used you know CG or like any effects to assist with this, but the the camera is acting the way you'd expect a camera to act during an action sequence, and then it just slowly drifts upward, so it's pointing down. And it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, you've seen movies do this before where it's kind of like top down. But then you it starts moving and you realize it's a one shotter and it's not following John like it's it's moving freely, like following the scene. And it goes like room to room, like or, like following this fight scene that's happening and seeing this fight scene top down with no cuts. And there's also uh, John gets his hand on this shotgun that has incendiary shells. And I've never seen incendiary shotgun shells in a movie before, but like everything's catching on fire. And like when he when he shoots the gun, it's just like spreading like this, like orange sparks, like whatever it goes. It And then so that scene goes on for like a little bit. And then the camera kind of slowly comes down and, and like the whole time I just big, dumb, goofy smile on my face. I was like, <laughs> that was so cool. And then you think they're done. And then there's like a cut and it kind of follows them again. And then it's like, oh. <gasps> We're going back up, <laughs> and, it, and it does it again. Um, and there's a, there's a, I'm trying. I don't think it's spoiler, but there's a, there's a famous area of the city of Paris that there that scenes. There's several famous areas in Paris that scene that some scenes take place in. That it, and it's, and a lot of times in, in movies, like a scene will kind of start, and you're like, oh, okay, it's like a little fight that'll happen here. So many scenes you think are starting like that end up being like 8, 12, 15, 17 minute, like nonstop action sequences. And you think like there's no way they could do any more with this area. This must be over now. And then it just keeps going and they find ways to do more with it. And a lot like some other uh, John Wick movies, it's just beautifully shot, like the way they use lighting. A lot of it happens at night, so they use kind of like neon and like just like the the way that the spaces are lit. Um, but man, and then there's there's something so cool about that like Kevlar reinforced suit uh, <laughs> uh, that he wears, where he can like block the bullets with his arms. But many many people in this movie have that, so there's a lot of hand to hand fighting that has guns that it's like bing 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 bing, and like they're they're like blocking bullets, kind of like as they're doing that. It's just, you know, you'd think at some point, like, how can this still be fun and cool, like, after all this? And, like, it's, it just is. It's so cool the, what they're able to do with it. And uh, it's, uh, I, I, didn't I realize was feeling it was so a little long. fatigue. That, that's pretty yeah. crazy for an action movie to be that long. Yeah. It's, I, I, I want to say it was almost three hours long. And I didn't realize it because I got out of the theater and I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, and, and there weren't a lot of previews. I think they showed Sisu which is the the studio that that made John Wick. Um, that's one about a, I believe, Finnish form like mercenary or form or like retired soldier. And it's it's like uh, uh, he he like, you know, is basically killing Nazis is the premise of the movie. Um, so there was a Sisu trailer and I think Fast 10. And I think that's it. I think that's the only the trailers that I remember for it. But yeah, like I was because before it came out, I was a little bit worried. I was getting a little fatigued, you know, like, can they keep it fresh? Can they do something? And like a few of the reviews that I saw were like, this is one of the best action movies in the last like 20 years. I was like, whoa, that's those are those are heavy words. Let me go see this. And man, oh, man, it was so good. (laughs) So, yeah, highly recommend if you're the least bit curious, just just know that 
they're not going to give you a refresher. So if that's enough to have you kind of rewatch the trilogy before you watch it, then then go for it. And the last thing I'll mention, since we have not watched Eternals yet, so I have no Marvel update for you this time. The last thing I'll mention is is the boys wanted to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie. We so, went and saw this yesterday too, so I'll piggyback onto this one. Okay, perfect. So um, I I had heard a little bit about this that I saw that the Rotten Tomatoes weren't great. I saw that the that you know the, I, I heard that you know there was, wasn't really much story to speak of. And I kind of see it from both sides. I see it from the side of like, you know, it's 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 a Mario movie. The game is about, you know, like you go save a princess from a dinosaur. Like, what do you mean story, right? So I get that side of it, but I've also seen plenty of movies that are geared towards a younger audience that have amazing, unbelievable stories. So I would expect there to be like some substance to grab onto. So that being said, we went with uh, my kids and like six or seven of their friends were like also going to this show. So it was like a row of them. And that was the coolest thing for me by far is all of them just being super excited and stoked. And like every time a thing came on the screen, my oldest was like the loudest in the theater. It was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like I, 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 same thing. I will try to do no spoilers, but there's a million Easter eggs and like little nods to things. Right. So like there's like a cell phone ringtone that's like the GameCube, you know, jingle. And I didn't know my kids knew this, but like Callahan was like, that's the GameCube. And I was like, good for you, buddy. So, uh, and like they have pizza at like the punch out pizzeria with like, you know, pictures of all the fighters on the wall. But like every time they would see something that they recognized, they would yell it out, which was kind of cool because the whole theater was like kids. and They were all doing that. Like there'd be like a Vista where they would see like a pyramid floating in the sky and my youngest was like the sand kingdom. So like they were just happy to be there. Right. So, uh, in a, in a nutshell, they early on in the movie, they do address, you know, like the voices, they, they kind of do the voices, like the, the ones you would expect from Mario, like the, the Martinet type voice. And it's essentially like a, a an advertisement for their plumbing business. And it kind of pulls back and they're like, oh, like, do you think the accents were too much? And then Martinet, who plays Mario's like father and uncle, I think, in his Mario voice is like, oh, no, it's a fine. Yahoo. Like, you know, the whole the whole uh, the whole deal. Um, but and they also give a nod to the Super Mario Brothers Super Show with that commercial, which is a really cool thing that they that they decided to do. Uh, but then after that, it just kind of becomes a very, very um uh tunneled experience of they get sucked into mushroom kingdom they get separated we, mario's got to find luigi you know meets toad meets the princess and everything is just bam 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 like meets the princess like i gotta find my brother you know there's no way i just met you you can't come with me no i really gotta find my brother okay you can come with me and then there's like a very quick training sequence where she kind of teaches him how to like platform and be mario and it's kind of cool because you get like uh she is like you know floating with her dress so you're like oh that's kind of a cool you know thing that they they you know put those little details in there and but then it's just you know okay we gotta go get you know this guy to help and then they go there and then there's a fight and like there's some cool so again everything that happens there's cool stuff along the way that it's like oh look at that oh look at that that's cool that's cool and bowser it has his ups and downs because jack black's amazing but he's really kind of starts off as like this very evil sinister you know like gonna destroy the world character 
and very quickly flips on like, I'm going to ask her to marry me. And the whole place is like, what? And then he kind of becomes this like weird comedy smitten with the princess character. And you're not sure, am I supposed to take him serious now still or no? And then, so there's just that weird dynamic. And so again, I'm trying not to like be too critical on it from like, you know, like a, a cinema standpoint because it's the Super Mario Brothers movie and it's a fine Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Um, but like, it's one of those things that like, uh, I probably wouldn't like rush to go watch it again, but it was one of the most fun things I watched with my boys in a long time. And they've been talking about it like ever since. So I, I don't want to talk too, too much more cause might get into spoiler territory, but I'm super curious to hear your thoughts as a, uh, as an aficionado on the subject there, Kelsey. I'm pretty similar to yours actually. Like it was maybe too much of an illumination movie for me mm. there there were parts in it like like the music especially that like they had so many beautiful moments with this mario music that really fit and was great and all of a sudden they play this 80s song that like just did not fit and i'm like why they had like 50 mario songs they could have played here that would have been wonderful there are so many examples. You're, you're so right. There's so many examples you can point to of like, oh man, like, dun, 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 dun. and you're like, oh yeah. And you're just all, you're just jamming a Mario music. But then like they would get on carts and it's like, it became like the licensed soundtrack, like handbook, like every song yeah. you heard in like every soundtrack where it's like Thunderstruck would come on. It's like, like, we have what 20 mario kart games full of awesome music you could have pulled from yeah. and for the kart scene and they they go with yeah. uh, like what was it aha or something like yeah they're the take on me yeah <laughs> it doesn't even a, fit doesn't even have anything to do a lot of licensed music in this but there were also plenty of spots like you said where like you would hear like um and they and i didn't catch it the first time my oldest turned to me. He was like, this is from Captain Toad's treasure tracker. And I was like, oh, it is? Because I I have only played like a couple levels of that. Mm. And it might have even just been like the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da or like something like that. But yeah. uh, it, the whole movie, they were turning to me like recognizing things, which is great. But yeah, until you mentioned it, the licensed music was an odd choice given how much music they have. That I've never really had licensed music take me out of an experience before but it did several times in that movie mm. really out of place but like like i said it wasn't maybe for me like my kids i kept looking over at my daughter to see if she was having a good time and huge mm. grin from ear to ear through almost yep. the whole thing and then uh one thing that was really cool was when we were done the movie usually like when we go to like spider-verse or or like uh, something else that i i drag her to I'm like, what did you think? And I'm asking her questions like, what was your favorite part? Like, what did you think of Spider-Gwen and stuff like that? And as soon as the movie ended, she ran over to me and grabbed my hand and was like holding my hand to the theater. She's like, did you see the Yoshi? Did you see this? Did you see that? And then she's just mile a minute, just like rattling things off that were going through her mind. And that was, that was my favorite memory of that movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Me too. Like by far. Um, I just looked up real quick the list of licensed music just so we could like rattle off here. I forgot about this one. Uh, Battle Without Honor or Humanity. That song that everyone knows from like the Kill Bill movies. That like yeah. dun, 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 dun. Uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn is what they played during that first segment where they were doing like the side scrolling uh, yeah. like in New York. It's like dude you're in New York. Here's the first chance that Mario and Luigi are like platforming in your movie and you're going to play the Beastie Boys? Yeah. 
So, uh, and then there's uh, Holding Out for a Hero, which I enjoy this song as much as the next Short Circuit 2 fan. Um, but, uh, uh, and then you got Take On Me, Aha. And we did have the DK rap from Donkey Kong 64, uh, <laughs> Thunderstruck, which I mentioned before, ACDC, uh, Mr. Blue Sky, which again is a great song, but like, None of these fit. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, what do we like? What do we have in our licensed music catalog that we've like already paid for (laughs) that we can just like, you know, stick in here. So there might be some others, but that's, uh, those are the ones that kind of stick out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, for, for the kids to enjoy themselves, no regrets. Um, it, it was great, but at the same time, there's a difference between that and calling up all of my adult friends and saying, I don't know if you even like Mario or not go watch it. It's that good. And like spider verse is like that good. After Sonic, I I really didn't, I don't like how they do movie adaptations of these things. Cause I'm like, just like, it's a game, like lean into the game, like stop trying Mm -hmm. to make these something different. Um, And Mm -hmm. I, I hate the whole, like, we're in Brooklyn now. We're in the Mushroom Kingdom. I'm like, <laughs> when? When has there ever been a Mario game where that has been the premise? Like ever? Yeah. Like just, I mean, just the just the Super Show, right? I know. Like. I'm like, just, yeah. I mean, you could argue the original Mario Brothers arcade game was in Brooklyn sewers. You could argue that. You'd be wrong, but you could argue it. There's no, there's no <laughs> shell creepers in Brooklyn. Come on. <laughs> But, but yeah, but you know what I wonder? Because like as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, you know, like what would have been the problem with just like the sun rising and like these characters are already like established characters in the Mushroom sure. Kingdom that yeah. know each other and have an adventure, you know? So yeah. we don't need to know how Mario and Luigi got there, right? Right, they're just there. Yeah. This is yeah. Super Mario Brothers. We yeah. know. <laughs> and and the way the movie ends, you know that the next movie could start that way because it's it doesn't shut the door on it right it actually ends really i I like the way it ends a lot um and uh yeah so without without getting any more spoilery and that that kind of wraps me up so uh kel if you have any more you want to say about uh mario bros before going into your stuff um just that that is the most packed i've ever seen my theater that wasn't like a star wars or an avengers level like movie like it was crazy in there we were in the second row and it Whoa. didn't bother us because our seats recline. So uh-huh. we, so it's like we ended up like kind of looking up at the screen, but we walked like we got there 30 minutes early. Yeah. There was a line to get in the theater. As we were getting in line, his friends were like, oh, Callie in here. So like he went with the friends and like right. we went back with the dads. And then once we got in the theater, we're like, okay, like we'll sit with them, you know, like when we get in there. And then we walk in there and they're like, down here, dad. <laughs> we're like, oh, no. <laughs> you went forward, not backward, but it ended up working out. It's nice. uh, so again, second row, but like those recliners uh, worked out for us. Our, but yeah, our theater full. doesn't have recliners. You have to get there early <laughs> and get decent seats. It's, it's awful. Yeah. But yeah, it was, like you said, it was full. It was, uh, and it, I mean, granted, we did go on opening day, but still. I've I've seen things within a day or two of opening before, and there was five other people there, so it was packed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that does it for me. So, uh, and then like I said, we'll we'll try to get an update on. It. I asked the kids if they wanted to watch Eternals the last couple of days, and they were like, "You said it was slow." And I was <laughs> like, "Yeah, but like, there's still." I showed them the trailer, and they're like, "Oh, this looks cool." I'm like, "Yeah, it is cool. Give it a chance." So I think we'll start it tomorrow, maybe after the Easter egg hunt. We'll see. That's a harder sell. There's not like, you know, an Iron Man kind of standout character in there or something to like grasp onto. Yeah. 
And I, and I told him, if it's slow, we can take it in chunks. We'll do an hour and then an hour, like, you know, but we got to get through it if we want to keep moving. So, yeah. Well, I've had a very busy few weeks, so I haven't actually watched really anything else other than that movie. Um, there was a toy convention I went to last weekend, a local one. Sold off some some stuff from the aim room, um, which it was actually a really good turnout. It was the first time we've ever done one up here. So that was an interesting weekend. And uh, a good buddy of mine had a table right next to me. So I had good company through the whole thing, even when uh, I wasn't making sales. So it was it was a good time. Um, because I missed the last show, I do have a little bit, even though I haven't played much this week. Um, I did play quite a bit of Final Fantasy XIII 2. I can't remember if I talked about that with you guys, but uh, what happened was my wife went on a trip during spring break with my daughter and my parents went on a, on a trip during spring break and they offered their house to my son to just have like his own pad if he wanted. So I had nobody at my home for like five or six days and I went over to a friend's house one of those days and we played 12 hours of Final Fantasy 13 2 in one session. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was interesting but that game like if you ever thought thir- that's a choice yeah if you ever thought 13 was a confusing mess like man 13 2 is so much more of a confusing mess I, I think that's where I saw you mention that on the discord maybe something similar to that Probably. Yeah, I, I yeah I remember I remember needing guides like story guides as I was playing it so I watched I watched a guide I watched like a recap of 13 before we went into 13.2. And then I, I'm like, wow, I'm going to watch it someone else's recap because that one was confusing. I'm like, no, it's just confusing. <laughs> uh, so watching two of them kind of reinforced it a bit though. Uh, but then in 13.2, they add time travel. So if you if you couldn't handle like falsies and uh, seeth and stuff like that, uh, just wait until they have like five different timelines in the same city with different stories because they're all fractured and and uh it's it's a mess and it's not even you only have two characters in this one you've got um lightning's sister and this new character who looks exactly like they took sora from kingdom hearts and just like made him 10 years older um and then you can capture um some of the monsters as your third party member um so the combat system's okay. It's not anything special. They they kind of try to do the thirteen thing, but it, it's not quite as good, I don't think. Um, so I'm not loving it. But I only have a couple more Final Fantasies before I've beaten all the mainline ones. So I feel like I gotta get through it because I've also heard Lightning Returns is really good. So I'm hoping it's worth the trip through it to get to Lightning Returns, basically. Uh- I've heard that too. I've heard that that returns kind of streamlines a lot of the things that people were like, "You're you're losing me, buddy." So I've I've heard the same Man, thing. The, if you ever want something cool, like just play the first hour of Thirteen Two though, because you play as Lightning and she's like a Valkyrie, and like you're in a huge war and there's like explosions everywhere and everything's blowing up and you're super powerful and like it looks awesome. And I, I looked over to my friend while it's happening. I'm like how are they going to like escalate this from here? Like this is like the end of the game. Like, and then they don't, they just bring it way, way down and they keep it there for like 20 hours. (laughs) Sounds great. Yeah. I don't think Chris would like this game at all. I will tell you if my opinion changes as we go through it, but uh, I don't think it will. 
Um, I played through God of War Ragnarok with my boy. Um, I finished it on my own last year, and then he played through it on his own, and then I had the opportunity to borrow Ragnarok from a friend, and so I was like, do you want to play it? He's like, yeah, let's do it. So we did that one together, and it it feels exactly like the first game. Like Almost like... It's not like when you get a sequel and you're like... You, you want it to be the same because it's the same franchise, it, but they make some changes to it. It feels like exactly the same. Like this, like it should have been one game. And I'm not even talking like Mega Man 2 to Mega Man 3, like because they make changes in those games. Like this one doesn't feel like it has any changes in it. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so the combat's the same. If you liked the combat, you'll still like the combat. Um... The story was solid, but I don't know if it's just because the first one, I had such low expectations for a God of War story and it kind of blew me away. So I, I had I knew what to expect this time, so it was good. Um, there was a couple moments that were wonderful, but there were also spots that really felt like padding. Like they, they just dragged on for hours just to like fill the void. And... Um, it was exciting starting Ragnarok to be able to go to the other realms that you didn't get to go to in the first game. But man, Vanaheim sucks. It is the worst realm out of everything, and you have to go there like three times story-wise minimum. Ugh. Did yeah, not I've, like I've, being there. I've, I've seen like, like, I don't know if it was a meme or just an infographic where it was like, like, it was, it was a bunch of different games, and it was like slideshow, but it was like God of War, Ragnarok. And it was like the level of like how fun it is at different times of the game. And it's like, <laughs> oh, like really fun. Oh, not fun at all. Fun again. Not fun. Not fun. Fun again. Yeah. So at, that might be what they were referring it's to. pretty uneven. Yeah. Vanaheim's like you go to Svartalheim, which is one you missed in the first one, too. And that mm. was exciting because that's where Brock and Sindri are from, this dwarf uh, mm. realm. But it was just there. It was like not yeah. impactful or memorable in any way. And then Vanaheim just sucked. And then Asgard, uh, you're kind of waiting. It's like built up, built up, built up. And you don't get to do a lot there. You don't get to really uh, flesh out that realm very much. So all... You will in the third one. Don't worry. <laughs> the new realms, yeah, just uh, didn't, didn't quite hit like some of them did in the first game. Uh, but it did have a great ending, great story. Um, they could have probably cut 10 hours out of it though and had a really really tight story um, there, there's some some fetch quest feeling things that happen in that one yeah I gotta get back to it as, as you know yeah. I started I'm still in Svartalfheim and uh, just nothing bad just like nothing that like gave me that feeling of like I have to go downstairs and turn this on and keep going so like yeah. when I when I get back to it I'll keep going yeah, I really liked Brock and Sindri in this one. They they you got a lot more time with them, uh, Sindri especially, and they they were wonderful characters. Really, really good. Um, but something that was awesome was Octopath Traveler two. Mm. That game was so good, and the they 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 took everything from the first one and just made it bigger and better and uh fleshed it out uh every single npc in that game has a story and if you want to know about them you can <laughs> you're like you're trying to you can gain information from them you can steal from them and like all of it 
means something to somebody else in the game too. So sometimes it's important to know about them. Like you can hire them, you can uh, knock them out, you can steal from them. Uh, depending on what characters you have in your party, you have all these different options you can do with them. Um, you have all the main stories like you do in the first one, but they're not cookie cutter like in the first one where it was just like, okay, go to this town, do my chapter one, go to this town, chapter two, mm -hmm. chapter three, chapter four, I'm done. Everyone's chapters were different in this one. So one character's chapter two would be like taking place in three different cities. And that's all chapter two, even though it's like three separate stories. And then one person's chapter would be like just a 30 minute cutscene, just all story. And then the next person, the next chapter would be like, you know, dungeon or boss fights. And, and they're all different and varied, which was cool. Uh, once you finish everybody's like main story, they all have like NPCs that played an important role in that story. Every single one of those NPCs has a post-game mission that you can do that like kind of tells you who they were and um, why they're important, and you get like a really good item for doing it. And then after you do all that, there's like another end game section that like ties everybody back in together again, um, and like it was way cooler than it needed to be and it brought everybody's all these important characters from everybody's stories back into it again too um, so like all the people you meet in this game are very very important uh there was also a post game um optional boss uh just like the first one the same optional boss they just made the fight a little different and whoa that was <laughs> that was took a while to figure out it, like i grinded a lot and kind of learned that I didn't need to do that. It's more about how you have your party equipped and spec'd out. It's not really doesn't have much to do at all with your your raw stats um, and like leveling up. Like, doesn't matter how much HP and MP you have. It matters how much like speed you have and how often you're hitting criticals with certain characters and and things like that. So it was cool to use the characters in ways that were very inventive sometimes um like the apothecary ends up being one of your most valuable characters for these like really crazy fights because she can feed the whole rest of your team uh food that will like increase how many attacks they have each turn and um refill their sp and stuff like that so man i had a like a lot of like bravely default had like these special monster things that you could fight and it was a lot like that where it was i mean levels to a point mattered to where you could really do the fights but mm -hmm. really it was more about creatively using the mechanics and your turn order and everything else to make to win it yeah. really wasn't a lot about you just your i'm level 99 or whatever yeah absolutely yeah um but like i mentioned the post game a little bit this easily has the best post game i've ever played in any game like it really wow. really tied everything you've done the whole game up to that point together lots of cool twists and turns like in the end what like when you thought you knew the story it's like no 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 like these characters that you met all have very different motives than you thought they did and they're gonna make sense too and it, it was awesome and the soundtrack is fantastic again uh, it's beautiful again, just like the first one. Uh, the the job systems uh, they have a couple um, 
optional jobs that you can find in the overworld um, that were interesting. They had the inventor, which uh, you have to find specific items and then bring them to the inventor, and then he will invent you uh, an object that opens up new moves for that character. So the further you get, the more people you're like stealing from and buying things from, uh, you're getting access to these really cool moves. Um, there was um, uh, like a, I, I can't remember what it was called now, but you could do like hexes and things on people, which was interesting. Um, they had the arms master, which you could make it so that somebody could use every single type of weapon. Um, so really cool multi-classing in that game. Uh, you could also master your regular classes. Um, so if you wanted someone else to be a cleric, you could do that. And, you, and then if you mastered that and got another license, you could have multiple characters be clerics if you wanted like three clerics in your party for some reason. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. I loved, I played it for like 90 hours by the time I was done. <laughs> and there was not a single hour that felt wasted or like unimportant. The, the, some of the bosses and the stories got so, so funny and hilarious. <laughs> and other times it was like deadly serious too. Like the merchant was, his story started off so stupid and like, I'm like, ah, oh, this can be a really bad one. But by the end, it was one of my favorites. It was just so ridiculous. It just kept like escalating in really weird ways. I love it when a game hits the spot quite like that. So that's really good that that one yeah. knocked it out of the park. Really, me. really everything I could have wanted in a sequel. I, I hope they find new ideas and keep going with it. That's awesome. Right. Seems to be doing pretty well. So hopefully. Yeah. That's it for me. That's all I did. Because other than that, I've been just working a lot. I can understand that. I've. Uh, kind of going into my stuff a little bit. Yeah, the, my kids have been, and my my wife, and they've been very involved. There's a lot of extra stuff going on. So usually most evenings are just driving people around and getting dinners ready because my wife is gone. And like my middle kiddo's got like some rehearsals that I'm driving back and forth to a different town. And so there's not been a lot of downtime to do and usually by the end of the night, it's like put some dumb to watch on and then try to sleep. <laughs> but um, I have done a, a few things I'll, I'll mention. Um, I'll just start with gaming because I really I don't have anything significant to talk about here. I I saw that um, Far Cry Five had like a sixty FPS patch put out. I thought, well, you know, I gave up on Far Cry Five. Maybe I'll throw it in, give it another go, see what I think. I probably played about three or four hours and then. I think I'm right back there again. I think I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I think I stopped Far Cry 5 for a good reason. So, uh, you know, it's okay. Again, just like coming back to it again, it was like, oh, yeah, I can remember. It's just, it's a lot of just okay. And there's no ever really like, boy, I'm really excited to do the next thing. It's more of just like, here's a bunch of crap on a map. Fun. It's like, it's not really exciting to me to just, oh, Look, I did this little mini mission for the seventeenth time. Yay! I got some points. Uh, I just don't care, right? Like, so it's fine. I'm sure it's okay. I, I, it's probably the last time I'll try to go back to it. I mean, I even had, I even had like the season pass for that thing, and I'm sure there's a lot of. I just, you know, time is precious. So, yep. 
Um, yeah, it's it's funny because we we have talked about that before. Where I was, I still think four, three, and four are better. But I was able to make it through five, had fun the whole way, and it's it reminds me of another uh, similarity and then difference we had with one of the Tom Clancy games. Um, I forget what it was called. What was the one before Breakpoint? There was like it was this big open world one, and you yeah, were Wildlands. Like, Wildlands, yeah. Wildlands, and you were like Wildlands so is re- and you were like Wildlands is really good, and so I jumped into Wildlands. I was like, oh man, Wildlands is really good, and like so we got into that, and then tried Breakpoint, and I was like. Uh, oh, so man. oh man oh <laughs> man <So bad. laughs> what what did they do so <laughs> yeah you're like all you had to do is just do another wildlands with new missions in a yeah. new place do that nope. again nope <laughs> but it, but it gave me that vibe of like because a lot of times if it's a big open world i'm like okay cool uh, there's a map there's a bunch of stuff and kelsey actually taught me with spider-man on the uh playstation uh that when you're playing that game specifically, don't just do every single thing you see on the map around you. Like do, do the story, do stuff you want to do. Cause you'll get bogged down with like all the additional crap that's on there. So I stopped playing the way I was playing, paid attention to the story and I had a lot more fun. And I just did like the side stuff, like when I happened to go near it. So I tried doing that, uh, in uh, breakpoint and I was like, no, I just don't think, I just don't think it's good. And <laughs> I feel like that way about far cry five. I'm like, mm. I don't really want to be trapped in hillbilly hell, mm-hmm. especially not druggy hillbilly hell. I'm like, <laughs> I, I kind of just live around enough of that. I don't need yep. more of it. Thanks, but no. Um, and it's just, it's just got really annoying mechanics, like these, like this whole bliss stuff where it's like the drug induced. It's just it isn't fun. Like mm. none of it is fun to do. And the characters are not compelling to me. They're really just like, really? And even to the point where like some of the stuff I used to like about the other games, like there's this first part, like this first little mini island. I even remembered it. Like when I started doing it, like, okay, I kind of remember this. Like it's the, like the tutorial kind of thing. And like one of the first things he was like, okay, I need to climb up this tower and turn on this radio thing for me. And like right away he goes, don't worry. I'm not going to make you do this over and over again. <laughs> and it's like, I hate to tell you, Ubisoft. It was kind of fun in your old games to yeah. do that. I liked and capturing now, towers because right. like you and then like Zelda was like, oh, people like doing that. Let's make the tower a puzzle. And you got to figure out like how to get there and how are you going to get up? And yeah. There's different enemies there. And like and, and, I, and that was always the joke. Like it was the Assassin's Creed mechanic. Okay, get to the top of a thing, open up a map, you know, jump off. But like and yeah, it was kind of meme for a little bit. But like that's kind of one of the things that I want to do when I play a Far Cry <laughs> game. <laughs> right. And then like. You know, like the old ones had like the kill the animals and skin them and you do so many of these and you get this upgrade. And I was like, a wallet or earn like a quiver or something. Yeah. Right. But now it's no crafting. Put in a crafting mechanic for all that's like, no, nobody wants this. Mm. None of this is good. And then I think the worst thing for me was like um, a lot of times you have like this escalation of weapons. And for whatever reason, I don't know why. I'm guessing because the game is old or something. Like I get like all this stuff right away. So like I instantly start the game with like these super high powered weapons, mm-hmm. like these mega weapons. And I'm like, okay, there's like nothing. Why should I even play this? It's yeah. nothing to do. Anyway, I won't harp on it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, too bad. Far Cry Five. I'll probably never bother to go to Far Cry Six. They're gonna need to reboot it and do something different before I'll bother to look again. So anyway, 
I tried. I gave it another shot. I, you know, it, whatever. So other than that, you know, it's been goofing off playing some. Uh, you always go back to Elden Ring, so I can play that for you know, I can play twenty minutes, half hour, and then. What I'm really waiting for, though, and I'm trying to that way. I'm like, I don't want to start anything big or new, because the Pixel Remaster games are hitting like in a week, uh, or a week and a half. So they collected my money. Square has my cash, so <laughs> they'll be shipping me my my plastic disc soon, and then I'll be able to play play my games. And uh, I'm honestly, I like everything I'm reading about it. It looks great. It's like, oh. You know, there's you can listen to the classic music, or we've got remixed tunes. There's a bunch of modifiers, like you can turn the random encounter rate way down if you want to. You can like bump up how much XP you get per fight if you want to mm. multiply it to make the game like less grinding. And I'm like, this is absolutely what I want. And this is mm. what I want to fill my summer with. I want to play through these games that I have fond <laughs> memories of. Some I haven't even finished yet, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to turn on the quality of life features. And just enjoy what it is. You planning right? to and go through all six? I think so. Unless yeah. I run into one where I'm like, this is too painful. Like I never like I played two on the GBA version a million years ago. And playing two is it's rough, right? It's, it's not a great game. But if I can like if they if they've got enough quality of life features to just make it where I can go pretty quick through it. Yeah, I think I will. I think I'll go through it and give it a shot. And I'm definitely excited to go back through the three sixteen bit ones again. It's been mm-hmm. long enough. I can enjoy those quite a bit. So right. that's that's my thing I'm pumped about. And so I'll be talking more about those. But um, getting away from gaming. Uh, I, I haven't watched a ton of, of Note, but I will mention I watched uh, Superfly from like 1972. Um, kind of a classic black exploitation film i i and I, you know i've heard about the movie a bunch of times i've never watched it i didn't really even know what it was about and it's really good it's the story of um you just hear him referred to as priest i don't even know what his first name is but um he's a cocaine dealer and uh, in new york and uh and the story really kind of starts out pretty quickly he he's got this idea cooked up and he's like all right and then he goes to his his buddy that he him and his buddy have been running the game for a while right they started kind of low level they've been working their way up for a while you get the idea like they've been selling cocaine and doing their thing for a while and um he's like look i've got this one giant score set up we're gonna buy like 300 kilos of cocaine for like three hundred thousand dollars we sell all that we're gonna have two million dollars, a million a piece each, and we're out. We're just gonna take off, leave, never look back, right? We're getting out of the life. This is our our ticket out. And like his partner's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, and be like, okay, he talks him into it. And so like the first part of the movie is just kind of like his character and like, okay, he's gonna go to his source. Like I need, I want. Here's my plan, right? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. And like the guy that got him started is like, dude, I'm out, right? Like I, I've done my thing. I've built like my business and whatnot. I'm, I'm getting out of the cocaine biz. I, I can't help you. Right. And it's like, oh, well, who's your source and where can I go? And, and, and he's like, I can't tell you that. Like there's not, 
not the kind of guy I introduce you to. They come to you, not the other <laughs> way around, right? And uh, and uh, and then eventually, what happens though is like they he he does connect, and I don't want to spoil anything with the movie. I mean, it's old, but in case you haven't seen it, um, he does end up in that place where he's got like this going on, but it's not that easy um, because once you're in that circle, right? You, at that level, they don't want to let you out. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no leaving that thing. So that's this story about how he kind of gets there uh, and cooks up this plan to get himself out. And and so you kind of look at it in two ways. Like, number one, like he's a cocaine dealer. This isn't a great thing, right, or a great person. But on the other hand, like it does a good job of painting that picture of well, why is he a cocaine dealer? Because like everything around him in his life and his area, there's no other escape path, right? Like everything has conspired to like beat these people down as much as humanly possible, right? And just bury them like they're worthless. And so like this is the path to try, like this is his clawing to get to escape his, his situation. And he just wants out, right? Like I, I don't care about the money. I just want to. I just want to be free. Essentially, is what the story is all about. Um, so in that case, you're like you totally identify. You're like I can see if I was in that horrible of a situation, I'd want to do anything I could to just be done and get away from it, right? Um, so yeah, oh, Superfly. It's a good movie. I would <laughs> recommend checking it out if that sounds interesting to you. It is really well done. It's not a crazy long film, and uh, yeah, it's really well shot. It's a good, good flick. Um, I also watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Finally, oh, you know, it's gotten all the Oscar nods and everything else. Did you guys see this one? Did, yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know anything going in, other than it's <laughs> won like, all these Academy Awards or whatever. So I'm like, obviously it's going to be a good movie. I should watch it and enjoy it. And... Um, Wow, just it's it's one of those things where I I would be curious to talk to somebody that doesn't have children because that chunk of the story hit so hard for me. I'm mean, like really hard towards the end, um, like getting choked up, you yeah, know what I mean? about what was happening. And uh, I don't know. I wonder if it would hit the same way. It's so weird to feel that way, too, because of how ridiculous it is at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's like this crazy action, oddball, like, comedy kind of thing going on. But it has, like, this core that is so hard-hitting and and real and emotional to it. Mm. And um, I see why they won all the awards. It's just so, man, I'm such a fantastic movie. not not just the 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 relationship with the child too but the husband and wife like too that hit really hard as well like and those relationships felt like just very real right like this is real people real life now they've constructed all this stuff around it to make <laughs> real people movie. with hot dog fingers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and like at the first time it's like at that like when you get introduced to that character like the auditor character like is this like and then like it clicks I'm like it's jamie lee curtis yeah 
And it like took me a minute to like I've never seen her look. I don't want to be rude. I mean, kind of dumpy looking, right? I mean, obviously it was on purpose, but I was like, wow, like they did a good job of of like. Yeah. I I remember I remember that scene. Special. Yeah, I remember that scene, and I I said I think that's Jamie Lee Curtis, like not quickly, like it was like ten fifteen yeah. minutes after like she's been on screen, and I was second. like, I think could that be? And yeah, yeah, because you're like. Jamie Lee Curtis is a nice looking lady, right? Mm. He, and like, okay, man, this is definitely going for a role. Um, and it's just a really wild and wacky out there story at times. Mm-hmm. But what it keeps hammering back to with the relationship stuff was really deep and really good. Um, yeah, yeah. My wife still hasn't seen it. And I've been, because I was not in the right headspace the first time I watched it. And I was kind of half paying attention and I like I had a beer and I kind of look over and I was like, oh, that's funky. And then I kind of look back. And then after a while, I realized I was like, oh, wait, like there's something bigger here that I'm not getting all of. And then I kind of like focused more. And I still think there's pieces of it that I missed because I wasn't like in that headspace. So my wife hasn't seen it yet. So we're going to sit down like cell phones off and like watch it together uh, uh, one of these nights. My my wife didn't like it. Kind of her and her coworkers make fun of people who enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, your wife's got like a heart of stone. Or something. <laughs> Gosh. All right. I don't. I don't, don't want to cross your wife. Um, but yeah, I do think like what you're saying. It is a pay attention movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. a popcorn and don't be on your phone while you're watching it yeah right you know Mm -hmm. we're not gonna be scrolling through twitter and trying to pay attention to the movie just don't bother don't waste your time but yeah fantastic film well deserving of all of its awards um something that's not as hard-hitting is uh history of the world so i had heard you know that uh like they had some commercials and stuff that uh, mel brooks was doing some new content for hulu and it was a take on uh his I think it was probably like 1980 when the movie came out, History of the World Part 1. I think that was like the tongue-in-cheek kind of yeah. <laughs> reference of the movie title. Obviously is that, well, the world's not over, so you can't write the whole history of the world at mm-hmm. once, right? That was kind of the tongue-in-cheek part with the title, uh, History of the World Part 1. And so I, and then so now these little vignette, like sketch comedy pieces he's, they're putting out now on Hulu's History of the World Part 2, right? Just more things in the same vein and Mel Brooks is, I think Mel Brooks Lenz's name and his presence, but he's really not in it. Right. I mean, Mel Brooks is not a young guy. Um, See, he's not, he's not doing parts in the show, but so at first I went back and I watched history of the world part one. Cause I'm like, okay, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. Like how's it hold up? And it's like it's Mel Brooks, right? So Mel Brooks is just, it's this mix of like all this stuff. Is is there some ribald, really base humor? Like that's going to be good chunks of it. That's just like about farts and boobs and <laughs> whatever, right? I mean, that's it's Mel Brooks. That's what he does. So there's going to be some of that. And then there's going to be some, really gems of comedy in there 
And like, so I'm watching that one and like most of the parts pretty good. And I'm like, okay, you know, like it's, it's all right. And, but there's this one musical piece. I don't know if you guys have seen the film, but anyway, there's this one musical piece about the Spanish inquisition. And I mean, I don't know what to say that it's like, it's a, it's a musical, (laughs) an upbeat musical about the Spanish inquisition. And it's the best part of that whole film. Is so it's funny. It's really well done. It's like the standout nugget in that movie, and the rest of it's kind of like yeah, whatever. I mean, it, it has its moments, but mm-hmm. um, if nothing else, you could probably just YouTube the Inquisition mm-hmm. uh, musical bit. You'll have a good laugh at that one if you if you are familiar at all with what the Spanish Inquisition was. And then so this next one is obviously just. It's more like they've got a bunch of sketch comedy people. There's like Wanda Sykes is in there. It's got, um, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I'm not going to sit here on the spot and remember all their names, but there's, they got several, you know, no, oh, Jack Black's in there. That's who I was trying to think of. But there are several comedians, right? It's kind of, a, and it's in that sketch format where there's like a few, like nuggets that are just little individual vignettes. And then there's some that are, uh, a kind of a story that's broken into pieces across several episodes as you go through. So that was like a storyline of like the Russian revolution. And so you're going to get little nuggets of that. There's like uh, a couple of those. And then there's some other ones that are just like, like, okay, there's one where like it's a uh, Ulysses Grant and uh, Lincoln's son. Right. And again, it's like over several episodes. And there's other ones that are just one offs. They're just goofy, a little silly, whatever it is. Um, again, they're very hit and miss because it's sketch comedy. I think that's just kind of the nature of what that stuff is. Uh, again, it's Mel Brooks level humor. So some of it's just going to be poop jokes and, and some <laughs> of that in there. And then there's some parts that are just really fantastic. And like this, I, I've only watched a couple episodes so far, and I think there's like eight or nine. But like this last episode, there's, again, it's a musical number by Jack Black, and Jack Black is playing Stalin, right? But it's like Lenin, it's that restaurant release, so like Lenin is in charge and everything. And like in the vignettes, Stalin is like the the... He's like the laughing stock of like the little like Russian hierarchy. Like they're picking on him. They're really just goofing on him all the time. And he has all these aspirations of like, you know, being in charge and ruling. And he has this like big song number about it. And it's really well done. It's really good to watch. Um, and again, then you get to the piece where you're like, eh, I don't know, maybe I'll take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. But I think I'll finish watching that um, series. It gets on Hulu, I think. It's with commercials, so I imagine anybody could watch it if you wanted to. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that's something that interests you guys at all, but Mel Brooks comedy again, I, I it's very hit or miss what works, but when it works, I have a, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a series. I saw the I saw part two advertised, and I just figured, oh, Mel Brooks is doing another movie, you know, for one of the streaming services. I didn't realize it was a series, and it was more like an honorary, you know, like producer behind the scenes type thing but yeah that's something i would definitely give a give a go and and as far as the hit or miss aspect i find a lot of um and i know this is an anthology but like a lot of anthology series are like that way so like you know as long as the overall feeling is there i'm good to kind of jump in and see all right let's see if this one's good or like maybe not as strong as the last one type deal but yeah i would i would give that a watch 
Yeah, because each one of the episodes is like a half hour, maybe. I mean, they're pretty short. Yeah. So they're kind of those great little things. Like, I'm just going to toss one on before I go to bed real quick. Mm. Um, yep. Have a couple little laughs. It's not complicated, right? Yeah. It's humor. Um, so it's good to see Mel Brooks putting out content. I'm, you know, love the yeah, guy. He's, he's got to be up there now. Is he in his he's 80s yet? His 90s. I, yeah, I yeah, feel like he's, he's in his, in his 90s. 90s. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I, I think... We're lucky to have Mel Brooks with us now. I'm. We probably won't have another Mel Brooks series. I'll just yeah. say that much. Oh my gosh, he's ninety six. Yeah, he's man. He he appears like to kick off the series, uh-huh. and he does a couple voiceover bits in it. But I mean, you can imagine, right? Jeez, yeah. But I mean, I will say in the little bits that he's in, he's still got it, mm. right? He's still got the comedy bit. He's still good. Um, Obviously, I just think physically it would be too hard for him to do some of this stuff. Sure, anymore. yeah. But uh, and and yeah. you're starting and you're starting to see that, and it's probably happened over the decade for years and years, and just hasn't happened like you know to someone who was kind of like in in our generation. But like as you start to see, you know, like Bruce Willis is stepping back as he's got issues with dementia, and then Gene Hackman and jack nicholson's retired from acting like there comes a point where it's like all right like i i can't do this anymore for reasons outside my control or you know for whatever reasons and yeah like it's you just hope that people are okay but they they reach that point where they can't do it anymore so it's 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 sad that uh you know that they kind of got to step away from something that they you know kind of did so well for so long but uh but yeah, I, I I didn't realize Mel was was quite. Was I remember quite that high. thinking after that stupid robots movie came out, where he had a little part in it. Right. Yeah. The Ewan McGregor one. Yeah. That I was like, he's not going to live another year or two beyond that, and that was like twenty years ago now. Oof. Yeah, I he's forgot about that. Life. I think that, I think that was Ewan McGregor was yeah, in the lead on that Robin movie. Williams was in there too. Mm. Um. Yeah, I was just thinking very something similar to what you were just talking about, because I just watched the the new trailer for the new Indiana Jones movie, right? Mm. Just dropped the other day. We saw that the poster was up at the theater when we saw Mario, and the guy, one of the dads of the kids I was there with, he looked at that and he was like, "They're not, they're not doing another one. Are? That's got to be like they're like you know like re-releasing or something." I was like, "No, like that's the next one comes out in June," and I said, "There's there's been talk of like the de aging technology they're using on them, so I don't know if yeah. it's going to be." just de-aging him to like you know 40s or 50s to be like a sequel or if they're like actually trying to go like back far i don't know what the plot of the movie is but i was like yeah there's there's a legit like another one and i I saw an interview with harrison ford where they were like who would you like to take over you know the 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 role of indy like once you're you know no longer able to do it or if you retire whatever and he kind of leans in and he was like you don't get it when i'm gone he's gone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there is no one else is gonna do it <laughs> well it's funny that you say that i kind of wonder we're getting pretty doggone close if not there already to the point where i think with the right setup digital actors could be a thing because oh yeah the deep fakes are insane what they can do already i think with the budget of the technology they have and also now they've got the amazing software where you feed it enough of your speech and it can make you say pretty much anything it wants to make you say. Mm-hmm. I, I have to wonder at some point in time, who's going to be the first actor that goes, 
I'm going to do a deal for eternal rights to my Yeah, usage. for your likeness, yeah. Um, you know, because you could think, like, here's that, like, uh, I will sign, like, for a certain amount of money, forever yeah. in perpetuity, you can keep making me as Indiana Jones. You know, you know who should do it for the amount of content they keep putting out in this span of time? Mark Hamill should be <laughs> the one to get that money from Diz. Be like, yo, give my estate, like, a billion dollars, you know, like over the course of the next 30 years, they'll just keep putting Luke Skywalker in random star Wars things forever. It's going to happen. I don't yeah. know who's going to be the first one to sign that deal, but, um, I love so much of the Arnold Schwarzenegger deep fake uh, stuff. <laughs> just good they're, they're all over and it's just, just putting Arnold into like movie scenes you've seen before. Like the face is one thing, but then like the voice in there, like I, can't the, tell you the how titanic much ones it. are very very good <laughs> very good or the ones where it's schwarzenegger and stallone where they put them in like a buddy cop or a buddy uh situation but it's like oh it's so good that's the scary part was i mean like i've even listened to another podcast that i've listened to forever and one of the hosts like took all this record like you know like we record like all these files and shoved them into one of these things and like basically had a thing where like you could make the other co-host say whatever he wanted and it was yeah. they were doing it for fun yeah but it's like that stuff's already out there yeah now and it's pretty believable so mm-hmm. i don't know i imagine we're not far away from that um or maybe the studios will go we just don't need an actor at all we'll just create our own person and right keep them going forever um outside of that i've continue to watch picard uh man it's i can't say it every time it's so good i can't you guys should watch you should really 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 watch this um season of picard again you don't have to if you you don't have to watch the rest of the other seasons if you don't want to you can watch Mm. the season if you've watched the old tng you'll be fine and uh i've got to be getting pretty close i think to the end of the season well i guess there must be only, only maybe a couple more episodes left but um, yeah, no oh, man, it's really, really well done. So um, really enjoying that. that structure. All the buzz I hear is season three is like just the best thing. I don't have uh, the service anymore though up here, so I'd have to subscribe to something else to watch it. Well, I would say maybe wait until uh, all the episodes are out and then do a one month free trial, binge it, and then cancel we, it. We did know? that free trial already to watch the first season back when it first came out. <laughs> oh, okay. Use use well, a different you, email address or something. <laughs> there you go. Use your parents' you know stuff or something for a free trial. Uh, and then K- I'll just K- K-Pole up, at dreamcast.net. <laughs> I'll, I'll end up uh, kind of like with Bill's talk about music. And again, I know this will be a very small thing that will really only interest me. And I'll put this out there in case anybody else is interested in the same things I am, because I know with this artist, you guys will not share this musical taste at all, but I'm fine with that. Um, but um, Allison Goldfrapp has got a new album that drops next month and has already released a couple tracks uh, on that. And um, it, and she had done a... Uh, they'd be, she'd been in a duo group with Will Gregory from the old Duran Duran days for eons they put tons of albums out but this is her first solo i don't know if it's because will wanted to do his own thing or i don't know they didn't get into that i don't care 
but I listen to the first couple tracks that are on there. I don't know. I, like, it doesn't happen very often, but like, she is an artist where I seriously, I every stinking album, I love it to death. <laughs> I love every stupid track on it. Like, you can't say that about many artists. No. But I don't know what it is with her work. I love every single tiny bit of it. And that's awesome. I'm really pumped about this release. I'll, uh, I've got all the rest of her stuff on vinyl, so I'll order this album up. I'm really excited to listen to it. Um, for those that are out there that probably think we're all just a bunch of, you know, Ozzy Osbourne heavy metal listeners, I will tell you this is definitely like electronica dance. Um, on this new album, not all of their old stuff is like that, although there is some in there. But that's what this new album is. If that's something that interests you, awesome, check it out. If that doesn't interest you, high five, enjoy what you enjoy. But um, I'm really looking forward to, to this new album. So having said that with our little what's going on with us, we're going to get into the real meat and uh, potatoes of the episode. And I wanted to talk about controllers because i don't think we've really done an episode where we just hit controllers and um i first want to start out this episode or this part uh, of this is by talking about kind of the major milestones of controller evolution thoughts about them and then we'll get into kind of our thoughts about fave controllers ones we really hate uh, likes, dislikes, that sort of thing. So with history stuff, we don't have to spend forever in a day, and I don't intend this section to be an exhaustive list. That's not what this is. It's really just to spur some quick conversations about things that meant something, and maybe they meant something to you. So I'm going to kick this first one off, and uh, I'll pause after each one of these. Some of these we may talk longer, some we may not talk at all. I'm totally fine with that. I don't feel like we have to drag each one of these out, because we'll be here all night. <laughs> um, but starting off very early... I, I wanted to think about things that were unique to each console, things that were firsts. And so I didn't, I'm not going to start with like the joystick and the fire button, right? That, that, that's a given. It came from arcades. We don't need to go with that. But when I think about the Atari VCS, what did it do first that was unique? And the first thing in my mind that it did that was unique was wireless controllers. Now they were big and bulky monsters with horrible, like, extending antennas <laughs> that came out of them like they were crazy and they used like rf signals to to make it work but dang it you had wireless controls you could play from across the house in in, in <laughs> as long as nobody walked in front of you <laughs> kind of well no but it wasn't infrared i mean it was rf oh, right, as long as right. you weren't very far it was fine um but it's kind of crazy for me to think that, like, it worked really well back then. Yeah, it was stupid crazy, right? You had to have a box on your Atari with, like, an antenna, and then you had to stack a bunch of batteries into your controllers, and it had this crazy <laughs> antenna on the end of it. But, I mean, you could do it, uh, and it was something they sold. It wasn't like Joe Bob made what? Like, Atari made mm. this thing and sold it. So, I mean, I think that's crazy to me that when everything back then, even like some consoles back then, like the controls wouldn't even come out. Like you couldn't even unplug them. Sure. <laughs> and here and here they're coming up with wireless, like right out of the bat. So just crazy for me to think that, that came out so early in the life of things. I've never got to use those ones. And like they sound 
better than than the other ones a few years after that I've tried. Because I don't think I trusted a wireless controller until like the Wavebird came out after that. Yeah, because all the rest of them are like those infrared things. So like if anything got in the way or you barely turned the controller, it didn't work anymore. Yeah. And these didn't work like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, we we might get to that when we talk NES. I've, I've told the story before about those acclaimed double action ones where the commercial showed lasers coming from <laughs> yeah. the controller and like <laughs> punching the wrestler. And we asked my mom for him for Christmas and she didn't get him for us. And she's like, the guy said that lasers don't actually come out of them. And I was like, well, then it's a good thing you didn't get them because I don't even want them. That doesn't happen. But yeah, I I came in a little bit later than Atari. Um, We didn't really have any home game systems until the NES. So as far as the the 2600 goes, um, the only time I ever used it was... I remember, like, a, a, our in our Cub Scout den, like, they had an Atari, and if we, like, were behaved well, we could play Atari at the end of the meeting before we could go home, but it was just, like, the regular old wired controllers. I do remember years later finding, like, like a bin of, like, Atari stuff and coming across one and being like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. And it was, like, like a walkie-talkie style um, yep. uh, uh, antenna on it, and I was like... Oh, cool! But like, I never actually like used it. I like kind of found out about it after the fact. I remember using them in the day, and mm. I mean, you couldn't get crazy far away from it because again, it was just like radio waves or whatever. I mean, but they worked, mm. and uh, yeah, it looked dumb. How big? I mean, fun. but but back then, I mean, like, what would you say? Most people have like a twenty twenty seven inch TV. I mean, or rear projection. Um, I mean. Um, Back in those days, I think 18 and 25 were pretty common ones, weren't they? Yeah. So you, you probably couldn't like, get super far away to play anyway. Most of the time, like in in my experience, it's like even at my time when we were playing Atari, by then Atari was still getting pretty old. So it was mostly like it's in the kids' room on an old black and white, mm. you know, 13-inch yep. TV or something. So you didn't want to be too far from it. But the idea that you could yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I always remember that because I, I, like, I had all my game systems on a 13-inch TV in my bedroom all on like you know like lined up on shelves and I could sit on the bed or something. So like it was so cool. I would be sitting in a chair and I'd be holding the controller and I had a wire on it. And I'm like, oh, this wire is so annoying. And then you would buy a wireless controller and you were like, yeah, this is awesome. And you're sitting in the same chair in the same spot <laughs> <laughs> playing the game on the same TV. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess... I guess I probably didn't need this thing, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, uh it's very cool that cause I, I kind of had forgotten until you had mentioned it or put it in the show notes that that was a thing because we just didn't have very much, uh, Atari stuff in our, in our lineup growing up. Yeah. And I think it was D cell batteries or whatever you had to plug in. <laughs> oh my. It was crazy. And they were like ridiculously big, but anyway, yeah. Uh, moving up next, I mean, I really want to focus on consoles because we'd be here forever and we'd never yeah. wrap up a show if we went anywhere else. But I kind of put the next part in because I think the idea kind of came from there. So I put, like, Apple II, PC, Atari 5200. That's where analog control, like, because, like, the Apple II and stuff and, like, the early PC had analog joysticks. It was very common in the computer world to have analog joysticks. They weren't great because they usually didn't self-center and they would have these weird like little adjustable <laughs> bits on them to try to make them work well. But anyway, and then we got we got analog control on the Atari 5200. So really the start of when that happened. But again, not self-centering and 
I, I just don't feel like it ever really got utilized well on the Atari 5200. Yeah, it could do it, but eventually most games were just acted like digital games mm-hmm. anyway. So the control didn't help a whole lot. It, it feels really yeah. weird to use it. Yeah. This is another blind spot for me, but I've used ones before, like you said, that just... And, and when you say not self-centering, it's not it's 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 not that it's not self-calibrating, which would be another thing. Like it, the the if you let the stick go and it doesn't have like anything supporting it, it just drops, right? So like it's it it could be like a little bit tighter, you know, like when it's newer maybe. But then like once it loses some of its like grip, like it's just completely like loose like that. And I had a I. I was fooled with the old Gravis gamepad on the PC into thinking I was getting like a joystick, but really they were just screwing a plastic thing into the D pad and you were just controlling the D pad with that stick. Um, but yeah, that this was, I I've, I've used controllers before that have like a little analog thing on them, but it's just so weird that when you, when you let it go, like it just falls away, which like, okay, well now I have to hold it, a hundred percent of the time yeah and just the fact that it doesn't feel like it has any resist like that's self-centering besides that it that it's going back to center the fact that there's resistance makes you feel like you're controlling something and that you're you know even if it's just one finger or your thumb or like whatever like that's why force feedback was such a big deal with the PC joysticks. Um, when like you felt like, Oh, there's a lightsaber in my hand or oh, like I'm turning a car and like, I can feel it fighting against like just that tiny bit of resistance made it feel like you were controlling something. And without that, it, it very, very quickly, I want to put this controller down and just go <laughs> back to anything else. Yeah. Um, and like, if memory serves, and it's been a while since I played 5200, like it, the control, like the joystick, it just stays where you leave it, right? So like if you're going up mm. and right and you let go, like it's just going to stay, keep going up and right or whatever, right? Yeah. It, it just feels yeah. really weird. And it kind of just, I don't know. It's just a really very strange feeling. And you expect letting go to be no input. And when yeah. it isn't, it's very concerning. You unlocked a dormant memory of playing no. on one of those crappy joysticks on my like cousin's Apple II back in the day. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and they're like these. They're Ben. They were like even worse than like an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. They'd have like this big bulky base with like one button. Yeah, and then like this tiny little metal stick. I do remember liking that button though. It was like red square on the corner. It was great. Yeah, a big chonky button. Yeah. But like this, I like at least the ones I have, like the stick is this tiny, thin little metal stick that you, you can't use it like you would like an Atari stick where you grip it. You have to like use oh, yeah. your fingers to very kind of precise, get it. Very precise and dainty. <laughs> yes. It's very PC of the age, I think. Uh, like, now we're not going to make a joystick. We're going to make this very refined control. Um, up next, I... You can put this in other places as well, but uh, Atari, again, Atari 5200 would fit with this, but ColecoVision and Television, Atari 5200. This is when also we started getting into lots of buttons, and I don't think they always really had a good idea of what to do with all the buttons, but we get um, things like, uh, we get a real pause button on the controller. We get a reset button on the controller. We get 
uh, goofy number pads and things <laughs> that uh, I think, again, they knew we needed more buttons than one, but they didn't really know exactly what to do to get us those They're buttons. A little too far in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, because that's it. Like, we went from, like, one button to, like, okay, there's ten because it's, like, a number oh. pad. Um, Plus the two side ones, at, too, 11, 12. Yeah. You like the side fire buttons? And sometimes it was, like, depending on what it was, um, they could be two different buttons or, like, sometimes they're just the same button on either side. Mm-hmm. But, like, in television, you had two buttons on either side plus the number pad and there was just a lot going on um but it's weird that all of them did it right like all of them did it at the same time yeah (laughs) i i i guess the idea was at least in my memory there was this age where video game consoles like the way they sold these to get parents to buy them was you can upgrade it to a computer. Yeah. Right? The, like the television especially was like marketed like that really heavily early on. Yeah. Like you, we're going to, you know, you're going to start your kids are going to like it cause it's a game system, but then it's really a computer yeah. and they're going to learn things. Even though they and scrapped almost every peripheral they were going to make for it. Yeah. Of course. Cause nobody wants it, but you know, but I'm guessing that's the idea of the, the number pads or things like, oh, I can program things with it. Mm. Like it's more like a computer keyboard. Um, but honestly, most of the cases, it was just a mess. It yes. didn't quite die off. Yeah. We got another one on the Jaguar. But uh, anyway, cool. that was my, where that started. That was my first number pad. And I, I, when I was looking at the Jaguar controller, I was so, oh, there's so many buttons. I'm going to do so much stuff with that. And I didn't own very many Jaguar games over the years, but like when it finally got to them, like I don't even remember what any of them did. Like it might have been like they might have changed the view on a racing game, or like it was just something you know. A lot of them didn't even use it. Yeah, like I would go to press them and okay, like nothing, 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 nothing. Oh, that one you know shows me the map or like yeah. whatever. But yeah, there's very little little use there. I think to me the biggest additions and, and the biggest innovation here, which kind of um, didn't always translate over to everything after that, but having on controller pause mm. and and being able to reset the game. Because like the Atari 2600, like you would have to go up and like flick the button on the console yeah. to reset it and play it again. Like you, right. you had to stand up and walk over to it <laughs> every time you wanted to. Right. And, and again, coming uh, in a little bit. Or like other systems yeah. like that too. Yeah, and, and coming in a little bit late, so with the Nintendo, you know, power and reset were on the system. You could pause in most cases. Sometimes the start button would just throw an uppercut, but, like, in a lot of cases, <laughs> it would pause the game. But, like, uh, then later we got a Master System Mark II, and there's a pause button on the console. It's like, that's so weird. Like, pause is not on the controller, so, like, that was just we went kind of, like, sideways with that one. Yep. Yeah kind of weird for that settled down um moving on i think the famicom really brought us to huge steps one uh that kind of didn't get as much attention but stuck around for nintendo for a long time one is obviously the classic <laughs> d-pad the cross yes. d-pad came came from game and watch but really i think everybody learned to love it on the famicom and and, and the nes 
And then, of course, on the Famicom, they had the, the microphone on the controller, which is like a recurring thing for Nintendo. Like, they just does, they don't want to let the microphone die. Yeah. and It's going to be back again. And I didn't re- I owned a Famicom briefly, did not remember that there was microphone functionality uh, on there. And But when I saw that written down, I was like, oh, man, like it's, and like you said, like for Nintendo, this trend started a while ago. And they're like, let's, let's keep it going. Let's see what we can do with microphones in people's hands. Blow on it. Yell objection. Just <laughs> do things. Everything just turns into blowing on the thing. That's yep. Like, yep. That's the only time you're ever going to do anything with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was new, and it's not dying. And even like the DualSense 5, right? It's got a microphone on it. Um, I've only ever seen anything happen with Astro's Playroom <laughs> with it, mm. but... It exists. My kid so just uses yeah. it to talk to his friends when they're like playing online. Can you? I didn't even realize you could do that. Yeah. You don't have to have a headset. I, you like if you put the headphones on, you can talk through the controller, and then you, you don't have any. And you'll hear them through I, the headphones. Yeah. I did not even know that. Yeah. So very nice. Um, but now the D-pad was established. I mean, how do you guys feel about joysticks? Like. Just once the D-pad arrived, I don't care about joysticks really, hardly anymore at all, except for like fighting games. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. I don't ever have an urge to really go back and use them. E- for any even games. sometimes for fighting games, I prefer D-pad, depending on the fighting game. Yeah, yeah. and I, the only reason I did that is because that's where I learned to play it. That's all. Yeah, I really, really love, and I know that most people don't love them because they're not as good as like ball top joysticks. But I, I have memories of playing on bat top uh, joysticks, like for Mortal top. Kombat and uh, a Street Fighter. And I know, you know, like times change, and it's like, well, this is the reason why, and the better grip in that. And I'm like, yeah, those things might all make logical sense, but like I, I learned and played as a kid on a bat top and I need to hold a bat top joystick <laughs> just for it to feel right for me. Um, but yeah, there's the only like, but like you said, with a, with a D pad, with a good clicky, good feeling uh, D pad on a controller in my hand, I never have the urge to use a joystick unless I'm at an expo and I decide I'm going to go play an arcade machine. Right. Like I never just think, Oh, I wish (laughs) I had a joystick in my hand to play this game instead of this awesome D pad controller. And it's amazing to me that this was such a sea change because really fast you went from everything had a joystick. Well, not everything, but most things had a joystick to like, you don't, you have to spec buy a special joystick. We're not giving you a joystick yeah, in the box was, anymore. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. additional. Yeah. Um, this one doesn't really fit into a particular console, but you know, with the U Force and the Power Glove, it was the first time we got like 3D space style interactions. Yep. Um, now somebody's gonna write in and go, "Well, there was actually look okay this for all intents and purposes <laughs> these were the big ones on the script on the page right right so um yeah you could actually do something in by moving around right. your body parts and things right yeah and i'm not sure if people who weren't around at the time realize what a big deal the power glove was when it came out because a lot of rando video game peripherals 
could come out these days and you could point to it and people would be like, oh, okay, you know, PlayStation move, you stick it in a thing and it moves around. Okay. And like some people pay attention to it, but like, it's not really like a thing. Like I feel like power glove was a phenomenon. Like when it came out, like in my school, the classmates, Bobby has one. We got to go to Bobby's uh, after school. And then like you, you found out there was the thing and there was duct tape on the side of his. Why is there duct tape residue on the side of your TV? Oh, because the wires will like pull it down, and and then like it was depressing because it didn't work right away. But then you're like, it was no, I'm, you're like, no, I'm just not doing it right. I, if I just do it like they do it in the movie, but like, yeah, like it, it didn't work. But it was still just so cool that you were, you know, like it just felt like you were getting closer to being in the game. And then when we finally got one, and you just ended up like playing with the D pad on it (laughs) instead of like doing anything. And then it's like, Oh, well for this game, you like, you know, do this and up and like that. And like, that's how you punch someone in double dragon. And then like a few times it would work, but you were just tired, tired (laughs) of moving your arm around. (laughs) But yeah, it was a big, big deal. And, and you mentioned the U force and the spatial. Um, I never got to try out the, uh, the activator, but I really wanted one. (laughs) Um, I, I cannot confirm or deny if that was as good or bad as the uh, Power Glove or the U-Force, but uh, they were super interesting ideas to me. Yeah, I remember seeing like the ads for this, the activator and things, and I've never in my life have I seen one like yeah. set up or anyone use it. Never. But, I'm sure they exist. Was it the same ad I remember where the guys like doing like kickboxing moves, uh, playing like Pit Fighter or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was definitely. And again, I'm sure yeah. somebody bought one. I've literally never seen one. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and I at all the swap meets, at all the conventions, all the expos, all the game stores, all the places I've ever been. I've only and there's a few things that I've only seen like once or twice. Like I've only seen like a boxed X band. I think one time at uh, Digital Press in Jersey. I've seen like the rental case for a 32x one time, and it's the one that I bought. I've never seen one of those things in person. Someday. Somebody yeah. will, maybe one of our patrons will go like, I, I, I have. It. That's yeah. because they were they're, so good. All the original owners are still using them. <laughs> yeah. They're all millionaires they're by now. Yeah. <laughs> they're super they're fit. Eternal champions they're every day. Having so much fun playing fighting games. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to move over. This was a big next watershed moment to me. It's like with the Super Famicom and the Super Nintendo, we got shoulder buttons. Yeah. I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't think I realized what a big deal this was at the yeah. time. I remember this is the point my parents couldn't handle a controller anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a, a long time to like get used to shoulder buttons because... I, I didn't hold a controller like that, right? Correct. My fingers yes. didn't rest I'm with you. there. Yeah, I they were on the back the of the controller. Yes, me too. And so when I first played that, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Right. <laughs> like, I, like I, And I mean, obviously you, you learn that new position with your hands. Right. But that took a while for me. That was... Uh, Right. And some, I, I never felt as good with the shoulder buttons as I ever did with the stuff with my thumbs. Yes. I, like, I, I couldn't play Street Fighter 2 
Like I'd have to put the moves I hardly ever used on the shoulders because they <laughs> that, would forget about it. I'm never so get hitting those. Buttons. That was that was the example that I was just gonna give. I had a hard time because if I remember correctly, left was um, the punch, uh, the fierce, and the right bumper or uh, you know shoulder button was the roundhouse. So I all day long I can hurricane kick you like not a problem. I can sink this hand with this finger, but I could not half circle forward and left finger no. or like or dragon punch at no. this, like with the same hand so what i ended up doing was mapping fierce and uh what was the medium punch to like two of the face buttons and then roundhouse yep. and like the medium kick to the others yep. and i used the top guys for like the jab and like the short like the little guys <laughs> yep. so like, if I'm i needed like a little <laughs> yeah if i needed those for some reason just to annoy someone like do, 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 like you know like that little like oh this jerk over here is jabbing me um but yeah i i chickened out on those so yeah it wasn't until later when the controller design evolved to the point where they put them where my hands naturally fell that they that it felt more natural but yeah i i did not use the and which is probably why i, I leaned more towards um, the Genesis six button because it was just laid out the way I wanted it to be laid out. So my Mortal Kombat perfect. and Street Fighter needs were met with that gamepad. Yeah, that was the perfect, con- you know, we'll talk about even the perfect controller. But mm. Kelsey, I know you are the Super Nintendo guy, right? I'm so- also very stubborn. So I have never remapped my controls in any game in my entire life. <laughs> so. <laughs> Really? Yeah, ever. So I would, I would go. I got used to throwing fireballs with the one hand, um, wow. but that's when, like, I, especially with Mega Man X games, I started to develop like a claw. I saw I could hold the controller really weird, so because I, I wanted to charge, I wanted to dash, I wanted to change my special weapon. So I had to like really contort my hand to like fit the <laughs> controller, when I probably could have just mapped the buttons differently. I'm I'm always super impressed because it never occurs to me. Just move your hand around and figure it out. And then I'll I'll see people, like, of course, in, like, the first-person shooter world, like, in, like, the GoldenEye and the Halo worlds, there's these all these different, you know, kind of, like, variations on claw grip where people's hands are completely not the way that the uh, developers of the con- <laughs> or the designers of the controller intended, mm-hmm. but they figure it out and it works for them. Like, I have some sensitivities in my, ri- my right wrist, that cause me pain if I do something that's out of the norm for like longer than a sure. little bit. So I've never like, uh, like I'll kind of hold it the way like, Oh, well this is claw. And I'm like, Oh, isn't that interesting? And then like, I'll, I won't play that way. I'm just like, Oh, isn't it cool that someone can do that? But I didn't realize that you, and this isn't like some strong moral objection you have to remapping <laughs> controls. This is just, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to give this, a, I'm just going to do it this way. This is how they made the game. So I will yeah. adapt to play it this way. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's so great. Uh, do you ever do you ever see those people that are the monsters that uh, that that hit the buttons with like the piano key fingers, right? Like then they hold it like <laughs> up up yeah. like this, and they're doing like the <laughs> on the controller. That's kind of how I play NES now. Is it really? I I do don't like eh? with I so I hold it normal with my left hand, but my right hand is never behind it. It's always just in front pushing buttons now. Mm. I don't, I mean, like, I will see people that will play, like, even D-pad, right? Like, they've got f- fingers on yeah. D-pad and fingers on buttons. Mm. And I'm like, no, thumbs! Th- yeah. Thumbs! Yeah. What Fing- are you doing? I get it. Fingers are so much better on the buttons. Like, if I if I spent some time to adapt with the D-pad, I'm sure I would like that, too. But, yeah, I've just, 
I do half and half. You would just, was, you, yeah. you, you remember like you would go to a kid's house that would do that and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but then he beat you and you'd be like, whoa, I need to do that. Yeah. The only that so that like if we I remember we would go places and and we never used um, turbo buttons, not not because we felt it was cheating, but because like it wasn't fun to just press and hold a button. So we just never used them. So like uh, like I think we turned them on and you just held the button in like track and field or something and you won the race. And it was like, yeah, I won the race, but that wasn't fun. So Mm. you would try to do it like, you know, like the way that, you know figure out your button and then sometimes it was you know fingers and sometimes you would get like almost like a pinching um gesture with your fingers and slide them back and forth and that would do it and then like my i had a friend who he's like oh like my dad's the best at this and then his dad would come in and there was no secret to it it was just like one finger like just uh, 30 times (laughs) he was just really fast and i was like man that's that's quick and i recently watched this is probably an old video at this point but it was uh, the it was like a YouTube kind of like do- not documentary, but it was like a video on the evolution of the different grips that competitive Tetris players use. Well, are they doing and that the, new one where they like? Oh my gosh, that's crazy! I, I forget what they call it, but like they flip the controller around and like they're tapping the controller yeah. itself, <laughs> and the the finger underneath is like resting on like the D pad um to to rotate, so they'll. Instead of like they used to have to like hyper tappers or whatever, they would yeah. just tap the button a number of times. But now, if with the right amount of pressure, they just rest the controller like the D pad against a, uh, like a finger on one side, and they can like you know rapid uh, tap the controller itself, and that will like cause the uh, inputs on the other side. It's really really interesting, yeah. um, just the the way that people adapt uh, to use because. And the thing is, could you use another controller or another method? Sure, but like they're trying to use the original controller to be like legal and like competitions and stuff like that. So, super interesting the way people uh, will adapt to controllers. I remember at MGC one year, uh, going back to the hotel room of some people that were competitive NES Tetris players, and watching them work was like something I. I to me, it was like, this is witchcraft. I don't yeah. know what you're... Because they're like, oh, come here. You can play one. I'm like, oh, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. And they're like, oh, no, you're doing okay. But then they come over here and they're, yeah, they're doing like really weird... Uh, anyway, it's just... A, yeah, it's a whole other world for some yeah. of that stuff. whole other language, um, yeah. Moving on from that, I um, we get on the original PlayStation at a certain point in time. We get dual analog sticks. So they decided to put two of those together, which was kind of weird because we didn't even get, I mean, we had like N64 had the single analog, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it wasn't the first one to do that. That had already been Mm -hmm. done. Uh, The grip was weird. But then like Sony is just like, nah, now we know two is the number that you need. Mm. How? How? Because like a lot of the games back then didn't do the camera on one. And right. moving on the other. That wasn't even a thing yet. But for whatever right. reason, they're like, nope, two. Two is the answer. Yeah. And honestly, like, I I don't remember why I thought this controller was a big deal when it came out. But it came out, and I remember thinking, like, this is a huge deal. And I think it was probably the shock aspect, um, the, dual, the, the, the rumble. Yeah, uh, but remember, like, they had, before that, they had just an analog. Just, just the analog. Just a little right? bit. 
just the like analog, DualShock. and then there was the Dual Shock. Yeah. So I mean, I, if you see an original PlayStation controller without the analog, it's so skinny. It's like that little yeah. like boomerang. They, they just uh, kind feel of like they're thing. missing something. Yeah, it's like, and then so the Dual Shock I thought was a big deal because like I wanted to feel the rumble while I was playing Gran Turismo or like whatever, but. Then uh, I think that where like the light clicked for me was um, playing NHL '98 or '99, like playing a sports game, having like analog control of a player in a in a space or on a field compared to just eight directions. It's like wow, like I can actually like feel a difference in what I'm playing with this. And I remember the analog; there was a little light, so you could like activate the analog or not activate it. And then there were some games that just didn't use it and some games that only use it with the light. So it was this weird transition period. But um, I but you're right. A lot of games did not have the camera mapped to that other one. And so a, a great example of this is uh, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver, which is uh, a very, very good game. I played it on the Dreamcast. I had very fond memories of it. But then when I went back to play it again uh, on, on the Dreamcast, it kind of like, you know, I know that the Dreamcast controller doesn't have two analogs, but it just kind of slipped my mind. Like, how would I go about controlling the camera in this like 3D spatial game? And you'd go to play it and it's like so one of those ones where you hold the triggers in the back to turn things. You you either like you either held the trigger or like pressing one of the triggers would like center the camera behind you. So you're just constantly pressing it. It is painful playing games on Dreamcast or anything with like a single analog because all you're doing is managing camera all of the time in like the least efficient way possible. And it's so crazy to think that PlayStation had dual analog. Like they had the answer like the whole time. Just just give us another one. And you know, then the PlayStation 2 comes out as two analog and like I remember comparing PS2 and Dreamcast, because like though that was like the choice, like what are you gonna get? And you know, you talked about graphics, you talked about games. Oh, you know, four controller ports built in, two, uh, this, this, that. I never once heard anyone mention, oh, the controller has two analogs and the controller has one. But it is no. such a big deal. <laughs> because it deal. wasn't a thing. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. Really wasn't established until, like, end, well into the PS2 era. Yeah, and it wasn't a thing that, even if it was a thing hardware-wise, it wasn't a thing developers were utilizing when they were making the games. But, yeah, that dual analog... That 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 that's one of the first spots for me, uh, where like a controller was like a groundbreaking thing that I was like, I want to. I'm not saying I'm I was ahead of the game like I'm this smart guy. Like I just saw this thing and I'm like, ooh, there's something special about this. And then I got it and I was like, why aren't all the games using <laughs> the, the the features on this that I wish they were? Now, Kelsey, I. How did you feel about dual analog? I would imagine out of either, any of us, you would be the contentious one here. I don't even remember the first time I played a game because I've never been a first-person shooter guy. So that's like the biggest genre for that, right? Um, yeah, I probably yeah because three D action game really though that has a camera. And, and, and anyone can, but like once you have movement and looking simultaneous, that that's a huge oh, genre. Okay, for that. I'll, I'll give you one example then. So I, I was a big Capcom kid, big Resident Evil fan, and when they finally let me use the two, I hated it. Resident Evil Four, <laughs> just I could not wrap my head around that game, and I hated it so much. 
because I didn't want to move the camera around. I liked having the camera like static in a spot. So I don't actually remember when the first time I, I really loved that kind of thing. It, it was probably well into the PS2 era before I started playing things that, that actually used it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I remember uh, the one genre that took me the longest to get used to on, on analog was racing. I really prefer just like the little little inputs left and right on the D-pad to really like feather it in there because I was still like a little bit of a uh, uh, of a of an ape with the controller where I'm like all the way left or all the way right. So okay, <laughs> calm down buddy, like we're going to have to get you some finesse. So and I think if I remember correctly, I think Burnout Revenge did not like it wouldn't let you use the d-pad so that was the first time where it was like okay well i'm gonna have to get used to it because it's my only choice and then by the time it got to paradise i was like all right i'm plenty comfortable uh now but that was the one that i it really took me a little bit of work to uh to kind of get proficient with yeah i'm i'm amazed that they nailed they nailed dual analog sticks, and, and this isn't a first, but they nailed that they were also buttons, right? That you could push to oh, click yeah. them as the click, buttons, yep. right? L3, R3, yeah. I mean, R3, really yeah. didn't get used very much back then, yeah. but like these days, you can't imagine not having that. So Yeah, yeah, and they, that's, and they, that's how they, they didn't run. get used a ton. Yeah, they didn't get used a ton, but they did get used here and there, and yeah, I thought that was, that was very good. And then we saw that controller... Uh, so that that DualShock, um, not just from PS, uh, from the the original gray PlayStation to PS2, there was that PS O N E, like the small yeah. PS One, where we got yeah. like that like white version that of was, that controller. That was that the I one was... that I bought originally. That yep. was my first PlayStation. Oh really? Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Wow, not the big gray box. Okay. Mm. Well, moving on to uh, the first, we've been talking about it already, but the first one to do it was Nintendo sixty four brought us Rumble or force feedback with Star Fox 64 uh, yeah. and the little plug-in pack. And I remember getting, because I I was so pumped for Star Fox 64, I got in one of those magazines and I imported a copy from Japan before it ever got here, like before it even released. Interesting. I was like, oh, man, I want to play this game so bad. So I remember like, like, man, I'm the only one around that's got this, you know, and you got the rumble pack and everything, and it was like, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but... Like, it was very simple force feedback back then, yes. but just to have your controller, like, vibrate and yeah. give you feelings was pretty... It was just wild. It was really yeah. good. And what was it? Was it AAA batteries? Um, I think on that one, was it... I have a hard time remembering, because there was all those third-party ones, too. And, like, right, some yeah. of those do, like, a one AA, and some do, mm. like, two AAA, and, like... I can't remember what the original right. one yeah, was. Right. So, yes. So, yeah, it was either doubles or triples. And I wasn't like an enormous Star Fox kid because we didn't have Super Nintendo, but we had neighbors that had Star Fox 64. And you would go over and you would do like the verses. And a lot of times you would do 1v1 because they only had two controllers or whatever. And it was just like, you know, you would do your loop move to get behind him or you would, you know, like kind of like figure out your dogfighting thing. And I wasn't great at it, uh, but like, so I didn't play it a ton, but I remember thinking like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like just the fact that you can get like that vibration because I over the course of some of my uh, 
gaming career, I thought like vibration and force feedback was some of the most like, if not important, some of the most impactful uh, uh, feedback that that I was given as a player. Um, like I said before, I really, really, really liked the idea of the dual uh, dual shock um, uh, uh, PlayStation controller. Even though we didn't play a ton of N sixty four, I thought I still thought it was cool. I had one of those. Um, what was that chair called? Uh, the the chair. The, I know what you're talking about. Uh, no, like it, it was. It had like the base, like it would. Like, yeah, it was. It was like a subwoofer and speakers, yeah. like in a chair. You like mm-hmm. hooked it up to like the pass through audio on your uh, uh, games. You would have to turn the music off, otherwise it would just be rumbling the whole time. But like in the car, like as the car would rev up, you would feel that. I remember the. Um, the, that Microsoft Sidewinder 2 joystick, uh, that that in-store demo that would it felt like a lightsaber. Like, I just throughout my interactions with controllers, like force feedback and vibration. Like, I've always been like super interested in that. So, the uh, the rumble was like a cool thing, but I think it fell into that same category of like, okay, how many games actually use this? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think too many. Kelsey, were you a big Rumble guy? Yeah, uh, one of my friends got the uh, Star, Fac- Star Fox pack with the Rumble. And I remember uh, there was at least the four of us there playing it. And it was like we all took one turn on it. And then it was uh, playing that four-player mode. And it was whoever wins gets the controller with the Rumble because that's the coolest controller. So you wanted to hold on to that. You had to do well. Um, so we fought that's over cool. that for, for a few weeks. And then, like like uh, Bill just said, I remember being disappointed after because I was like, "Oh, I want to play Goldeneye," and I'm like, "Oh, it doesn't work with this game." And, oh, I yeah. want to play this game. Oh, it doesn't work with this game. And it was so new that anything that was going to use it had to come out after it came out, kind of thing. So mm. none of my old stuff worked with it, which was uh, disappointing. And I mean, obviously, this isn't going to be anything related to first or anything, but it just, it was why it was such a weird thing to me that, okay, like this thing kind of became established. Like the DualShock became a thing. And then Sega with Dreamcast went, nah, one, one analog is good, and we don't need built in rumble. You can buy an extra thing if you want to. Yeah. You were like, wait, what? And then the weirder, a weirder of weirderest things to me was remember when the PS3 first came out and they're like there's no rumble in the in the stick anymore. It they, doesn't, well, it doesn't do that they anymore. said it they said it would affect the motion controls. They they couldn't right, figure out how like, to do them both together. And, again. But remember like the the, I, the thing they were putting about out that. there was no they they put like this the guy who was in charge was like nobody wants that anymore. Yeah, that's last like, gen that was technology. Their corporate line. Yeah, it's yeah. like that's old. Nobody wants that anymore. Like no. Yeah. Everybody yeah. still wants that. I totally forgot that that wasn't available at launch, and they did say that they're like it would like it would like affect the five axis or like whatever they the, were causing the like six axis. Six felt axis. so light and cheap. Oh. <laughs> yep. And then and then yep. the other one the other one that reminds me that's not super related, but like when the uh, Game Boy Advance came out and there was no backlight. They were like, oh, we're doing it to, like, save battery life. And then, like, eight days later, they're like, oh, we figured it out. (laughs) Here's the new one. Right. By the way, buy another one. Um, Up next, we've got, I think, something that really didn't quite go anywhere the way they thought it would. But with the PlayStation 2, they introduced um, pressure-sensitive face buttons, right? Like, 
yeah. didn't get used very much. It, it worked. I tested it in Gran Turismo and you could feather the gas like but like you said, yeah, it, it was very the range from like lowest to highest was like maybe like a millimeter and a half. Like, it, yeah, so it interesting idea, but yeah, it didn't take off. And it, it's wild to me that it took them so long to figure out nobody wants that on the face buttons. People want that on the triggers, right? Triggers, yeah. So that's where that technology really came into into big use but um to think like no face buttons right like people want to be able to like barely or like push really hard on the face button mm-hmm. i mean i i don't know if i could think of on one hand <laughs> yeah. like how many games actually use that feature i mean kelsey did you ever play games where you had like you would lightly touch the, I, the i feel like there was a boxing game we played it might have been the rocky mm-hmm. one um, I might be mixing that up though. I had friends who really liked boxing games, so we played a bunch of them. Um, mm. but that's like the only ones I can think of. And I hated it because like it worked fine in the game, but my friends are animals. So they would just wreck controllers cause they pushed it as hard as they could. And then the button wouldn't work for anybody after that. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's to- That's a very Kelsey thing. <laughs> please be very gentle with my controls yeah, yeah. Like, and you uh, can't yeah. eat in here <laughs> yes yeah they get yeah. to use the mad cats because i can't trust them with the sony controller <laughs> yeah the, on, the only game i remember that working with was was gran turismo i, I don't even remember testing it in anything else and it's funny because i think they included that on the on the um the ps3 just you know because originally it was backwards compatible i don't know if any ps3 button ever game ever used those uh, i would be curious to find out um moving on we got first with the dreamcast coming back to it it did have a vmu or the built-in screen in the controller which we really haven't seen again really so yeah this had a lot of potential i was really excited for this um they they and they kind of marketed i was a little bit of a sega fanboy at the time so when they were marketing something i was like okay i'm going to take this idea and defend it for you so like they would talk about like oh like your like life meter you know like in a resident evil game like your you know like your your you know ekg line or whatever and i'm like oh that's so awesome there's no other way they could have done this except for putting it on the tv screen and then um, it would be like, so the one that I thought was really cool was in a sports game, like a football game, you could choose your plays on it without your opponent seeing. Now, this is a good idea. They did get around this on on the screen because you could just press the select button and it would remember. And then you could just move the, the thing around and let it go wherever you want. And it would choose the first play that you pressed A on. So like, you know, yeah, there's a workaround, but like. I still thought it was a really cool idea. I never used it outside of the Dreamcast to play the mini games, except for the Sonic Adventure. I was gonna mention uh, that one. like, uh, yeah, Chow like Garden, the, the Chows, yeah, to get your to like you know hatch your little like virtual pet. Your uh, Tamagotchi, yeah. Yep, and I never had Tamagotchi. My my wife just recently not rediscovered it, but like they found it when they were like down at Disney. And my my kids both have Tamagotchis now, which they were super excited about until they killed their pet like day two. And then like, they're like, oh, oh, I'm so mad he's dead. And I'm like, yeah, but you can just start again. So, but yeah, I thought the VMU was a super cool idea that I just didn't, you know, uh, didn't fly super too much with me. And I remember I, I got the Dreamcast day one, it came out, four controllers. I got at least one VMU and 
they, it was really hard to find. They called their vibration thing the jump pack. It was yeah. really hard to find. I got one or two of them, and it was the same deal you were talking about, where it's like people would come over, and it's like, all right, who's the coolest, or like who won the last match, or something. And it you didn't really you know think about like man it'd be great if this was just built into everything like it will be in the future. <laughs> it was prize but, uh, had to earn that. But yeah, the, but yeah, the v, and the VMU um uh uh. The, the, the top of it, you know, would, would get lost a lot because, like, it wasn't attached. And um, eventually they came out with, like, the 4X VMU, like, official uh, one. But there's no screen on it. It was just, like, more memory. It was like, oh, well, now it's not. How can you call it a VMU now? Like, isn't it just, like, it's just an, an MU? MU. <laughs> it's just an MU. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought there was some interesting ideas on this controller. Uh, but a big oof to the no uh no dual analog but like you said it's not like a lot of games were kind of designed using that yeah i i think if the vmu had a better battery life mm. it probably would have got more traction but man those things died so on fast and, and they were batteries in them. exactly yeah not not no rechargeable option um so it was what was it 2032s uh cr 2032s or something similar yeah like so. three of them i think or yeah whatever. so yeah not uh not the most ideal uh yeah. people don't have them just laying around the place i don't ever remember liking them because you had to take your attention off the screen so mm. it was distracting and to go back and forth to both so i never mm paid attention to it at all yeah yeah while i was playing i don't think um, yeah so before one of our listeners chimes in and goes well you can say the wii u controller brought this back and i would argue not really because it's not really a controller only one person can have that pad right like on a dreamcast everybody could have a vmu they could have their own screens can't really do that with a wii u uh, the uh, the GameCube with the uh, GBA adapters kind of had some games that that's a had whole other system. Like that. That's not a controller, but it emulated a VMU. It kind of did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you guys know uh, that? Uh, just a little, quick little side note. Did you know that Mame, the multiple arcade machine emulator, has a VMU tree? Like if you want to load up VMU games on Mame, <laughs> just oh, put it out there for anyone who missed uh, the VMU train. Bill's if you wanted, gonna tend to his chow play, garden now. Yep, play through a complete uh, <laughs> complete set. Ooh, yeah! Now you're giving me ideas. <laughs> uh, moving along, the PS3 by like a week beat the Wii to gyroscopic controls on the controller. So. Yeah, again, we didn't get Rumble on the PS3 on launch. We got the six axis, uh, which, you know, sucked really bad. Uh, really, nobody, no, it sucked. You had Layer that nobody wanted. Layer. I was sucked. so excited because it was Factor 5. Yeah. And because I love the Rogue uh, Squadron game that Factor 5 had done previously. And I was like, dude, it's like right in their wheelhouse. You're flying around. It's going to be a dragon instead of a ship. Like, I'll take it. Let's go. And Lair, uh, not to be mean to anybody involved, because I'm sure they're all nice people. Lair is a big piece of garbage that does not <laughs> control the way that anyone wants it to at any given time when you're trying to play it so it's unfortunate 
They just tried to make the dragons realistic, Bill. They wouldn't listen to your every move. <laughs> the only thing I've got to say about Six Axis is um, it really just annoyed the crap out of me because when you play Demon Souls, um, the gesture system was <laughs> oh, built into uh, the gyroscope. So you would hold mm. a button down. And you would move the control a certain way, and it would like wave or point mm. or whatever. But what really would happen is you were using that button to play the game, and on occasion, as you're fighting and playing, <laughs> instead of the gesturing. move you want to happen happen, you would just point randomly or whatever, and you get smashed <laughs> by some bad guy. And you're like, this is the most stupid crap I've ever had to deal with in my life. So I don't have any good six axis stories. I don't know, Kelsey. You, yeah. I don't know if it's a good one. The only game I remember using it on was Heavenly Sword. Uh, when you would like shoot an arrow, you could like direct the arrow by flying the controller around. <laughs> yeah. um, they should have done that, that in yeah. the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves movie. Could have used that feature. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you guys have said, the controller was garbage, and I'm glad we moved on from it. It just felt so yeah. cheap and light, and the yeah. triggers were like they just they felt like they're gonna fall off constantly. And every time we they're got faced, them in, they facing the wrong direction. They were broken. Every time they came in, they were they were busted. And and I'll, I will say of the feature of gyroscopic of the the function of a gyroscope in gaming has some great uses and applications further down the line. But yeah. when we're talking about specifically the six axis, yeah, I don't have any good experiences to share. Oh. It stunk because when I bought my PlayStation Three, it came with a six axis, no rumble, where I didn't have mm. any vibration. And forever, that's the PS3 controller I had. <laughs> um, and then somebody at work gave me a PS3. They're like, we got, it was, um, it was like a Slim or something. It was like, here's our old, you know, I don't, we don't care if one. And it had the newer controller in it. And DualShock that was 3. like right around yeah. when, yeah, when I, and then, uh, so that I took that and I was, that was back when PlayStation 4 was pretty new. I did that trade in, right? They would give you like a hundred bucks or whatever. And I made sure that uh, the <laughs> old six axis was traded in <laughs> with that so, with that trade in. One, one more thing was, while we're ragging on PS3 controllers, uh, whatever plastic they used for their analog sticks, if oh, if you haven't yeah. played yours recently, it's probably wet and sticky. Uh, <laughs> it's really gross and nasty. Yeah, all of them. It did, like it, it could be brand new in the box. You take great care of it, and it's still sticky goop now. A lot of PS2 controllers did the same thing. I had I have a Dual Shocks that do the same thing. Yeah. I haven't and, seen like, that as much like, on PS2, but yeah. it's like and, every and you know, PS3 like, controller. Like like you ever like leave like a, a bucket of like action figures in the attic, and then you go find them, and it's like oh no, like Leonardo has got like all sticky. Like their <laughs> sticks do that in any conditions. Yes, yes. Like doesn't yep. need to have been left in an attic. Um, and the what other thing, the, the other the very small feature that is means the world to me that I love that I didn't realize I wanted was if you've ever had, uh, especially a PS2 uh, or PS3 controller, but it also happens to the 360 controllers. If the analog sticks, if you ever like, you know, if you like do them like in like circles, <laughs> Mario like, Kart, or, like Mario Party, they they start like you know shedding like you like shave like plastic shavings off them and eventually like they'll they'll be like almost like you're chopping a log down and like <laughs> it 
it it's it it looks it's bad. You get plastic dust everywhere. The the three um sorry the Xbox um Elite controller and many other controllers have added like a little metal ring to the inside edge of that um uh, analog, and then some of them even have like metal on the shaft instead of plastic. And not only does it not shave off there anymore, it feels so smooth. What you're you're not grinding plastic <laughs> against plastic. It's just like the metal just moves and it's like one of those like semi-premium features where it's like it probably didn't get a lot of attention compared to the other features the controller has but every time i feel every time i go from like the elite controller to a non-elite controller i'm like oh <laughs> you, you can't you even play that. zangief without it because you got to do nope. those spinning pile drivers all the way around man i am pile driving in games that don't even have zangief in right? it just like any chance i get to, to pile drive <laughs> Um, up next, uh, the Wii brought us the controller speaker, right? A, a speaker in your controller. Mm-hmm. So you could play No More Heroes, get a phone call, and you hold it <laughs> up to your ear like it's a phone, and you get talked to. Yeah. So, uh, you could also uh, tell when you pick up Star Bits uh, <laughs> because they'll just go, boom, 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 boom. Interesting idea. I don't know if there's much else to say about it other than, I mean, it's still a thing. Like PS5 controllers yep. still have a speaker in it. Yeah, so. yeah DualSense 5's got it. I've, I've heard people uh, get anxiety playing Death Stranding because the sound of baby crying <laughs> somehow is not something that people wanted like being shoved in their face while playing that game. Uh, it is cool. Uh, Astro's Playroom makes a a use of that feature but yeah i had actually to be honest uh, we're talking about the wii controller i had forgotten that the wii uh, gave us that feature because until you mentioned it i forgot that the star bits would announce their presence in my hand there you go i i like when some character that's like talking to you through a radio or something in the game comes through it let's see the controller Mm. it's really neat um and I've, i've mentioned this game a few times before but silent hill Shattered Memories on the Wii is makes amazing use of that controller, including the speaker, mm. where there's like static if you're like mm. too far from something, and then once you get closer, it kind of uh, like hits the frequency you need, and you can hear things a little better. And it's like a GPS, and it's a phone, and it's a flashlight, and like it was oh, just amazing use of that controller in that game. Um, moving on, we to the PS4 brought us the touchpad to a controller. I still have literally never used it as a touchpad ever to this day, but it sure gave us one. <laughs> I am Any trying thoughts? to that's, that's your map button. What are you talking about, touchpad? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I've I've pressed it in, you know, like to for the click effect, and I gotta tell you, I can't think of a specific example where I've used it as a touchpad. But the reason I plan on buying one uh, to pair with my Steam Deck is because the Steam Deck at some times will be in desktop mode and I'll need a mouse and it will (laughs) work as a mouse. So it's not even like it's going to get used in game as that. Um, I mean, I give them credit for like, hey, like, let's let's do something that hasn't been done before. Let's, you know, let's throw it at throw it there to see if it sticks. Uh, You know, I give them credit for that. Um, I do find them to be extremely stubborn 
on this like well no like we can't have offset joysticks because then it proves we've been wrong this whole time so we're <laughs> just gonna have them symmetrical for the rest of our lives and that's fine it works it's just a preference thing um but uh but yeah i can't think of an example of when i use the touchpad in a game there's a bunch where you have to like swipe just to one side to like move a page of dialogue along i've done or, that a whole maybe bunch Maybe in Skyrim. I've never played Skyrim on a Sony platform. You know, you find all those books out there. You can probably yeah, flip the pretty, pages. Yeah, pretty like much that. like that. I've done that in a bunch okay. of games. Uh, what else have I done in them? Uh, like, totally worth it. So, some of the ones I'm thinking of aren't weren't originally Is for there... that. Like, like Tearaway was originally a, a Vita game, uh, but that uses right. the touchpad a lot and gyroscopes and stuff. But they ported it to the PS4, so they like hmm. forced it to work on that. Is there a um, uh, what's that game where like you fold the little uh, footballs to like uh, kick the triangle, <laughs> flick the triangle through the uprights? That's probably in like a David Tabletop Cage uh, game. Um, oh, yeah, in to... uh, the Rayman games, it's like your lottery ticket. You your scratch and win ticket. You like scratch That's the cool. touchpad to like scratch the ticket off. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, if any, have never used it. No, nothing great. Yeah. I I didn't have a PS4 for very long, um, so I I don't have a lot of examples to draw from. I'd be super curious if anyone has some like a really cool example of uh, the way that was used because I I just would love to hear it. I feel like I've used right. it to drag a map around too to like mm. scroll, but like you could do that with a joystick. I don't know why they mm. make you do it with that. In my experience, it's a giant button that gets in the way when I'm trying to hit something else. Yeah, so, I've uh, accidentally pushed it when I'm trying to like push options or something a million times. Yep. yep. Um, but now we're stuck with it because the PS5 is backwards compatible, so you ain't getting rid of it. Uh, a thing I didn't put on here, but we can thank the PS4 for and then sling it into the sun is lights on controllers. <laughs> My God, never do that again. Never, ever do that again. And what was never the reason they gave again? Did they need to identify which player It had to do is... with the move stuff. Okay. Yeah. It had to do with the move stuff and the stupid camera. But nobody, I don't think anybody ever did anything with it. All and right. no, I'm just in the dark trying to play a game with this giant headlight shooting out the yeah. front of my controller. Because I, I got to tell you, I don't do it all the time. But like sometimes if I've just been playing for a while, I'll just kind of start holding the controller different ways. Like maybe my hands will be over my head. Maybe I'm laying down. And sometimes I know you guys can see me. People you know listening can't see me. Sometimes I'll just end up, you know, I'll like kind of like tuck my elbows like right here. And like maybe I'll have the controller like this. And it just like blinds you for a sec because you yeah. put the controller right so there. I was going to say almost same thing. When I used to have glasses, I would like pull my hand up to like adjust my glasses and I just blind myself like every time. <laughs> yeah. So so the essential piece of kit that you needed for every PS4 was a piece of electrical tape to cover up the light as quickly as you yeah. could. It um, it did have some function with some of the PSVR stuff because then like you said, with the, the camera could track you where you were holding the controller. Um, so I did use it for a couple of those things, but, uh, it wasn't absolutely necessary. Sling it into the sun. Okay. <laughs> Superman um, four. Uh, <laughs> yes. All of them in the giant net. I'm swinging it around. They're never coming back. The only thing I will tell you that's good about the PS4 pad is that, um, it 
you can use it as a PS3 controller. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's better than a six axis is the best thing about the PS4 pad. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best thing about a PS4 controller. <laughs> um, then the PS5, uh, it brought us a lot of crap in one, but um, the new thing was force feedback triggers. Like they motorized cool. triggers. They and are super cool. They and are like so cool a lot in that of things. One game that uses it. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of things we've talked about there, you know, like some of these features come out and it's like, you know, you, you Astro's Playroom's like, look, here's what's possible. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. And then you play any other game and you're like, what did you, pro- you promised me? You're you promised me this again. cool thing. Um, but yeah, like, and, and it's, and it's so subtle, but it's like, you'll go to pull, like, you know, there's, you know, you go to pull the, you know, the, um, what do you call it? Like a lottery machine or like a, not a lot of machine, like a, a slot p- machine. Plants of pachinko. Exactly, yeah. And like you start to pull the trigger and it just completely stops. And it's just like you you really like have to force it through. And it's different based on what you're doing. And it's just one of those things. And even from the minute I read about it, they're like, it's so hard to explain. You just have to feel it and you'll you'll feel the difference. And it feels great. And man, I just wish they're doing so well they're selling so much hardware they're selling so many games why can't we get one or two more people to use this cool feature it was good in returnal uh your gun has different function whether you do like a light pull or like a full pull uh and so it was really nice to have a uh a stiff point between the two Mm -hmm. so you could actually do the one you wanted to do awesome yeah so is it do anything in god of war I haven't played that one yet. That's next week's Sony title. I don't. It, I don't remember it doing anything. Oh, did it? I don't. I don't think it did. So I even think they, Sony's they, given up. They on went. It. Yeah, because even remember. when you want to do the heavy throw or light throw, you went like R one or R two. You didn't do different amounts of R two. Yeah. Sony's great about that. We'll put all this crap in a controller that now makes you cost, spend seventy dollars for a controller. But you'll never use it. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? So I saw this uh, thing the other day. It was and it was probably an old article. It came out a few days ago. Yeah, old, and it was like, oh, like there's a disc discount on the DualShock uh, Five right now. And I'm like, oh, awesome. And I click, and it ends up. It looks like it's just some kid's blog, which is fine. And he's like, oh, like there's a discount on the DualShock DualSense Five right now. Like here's the Amazon link, and I go to the Amazon link. Eighty three dollars. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, it's probably from a few days ago, but like, man, like. I thought for a minute, oh, was he talking about like the new, like the edge, like the, it you know, was it like the more expensive one, but like, no, it was just the regular old dual sense, 83 bucks because you can't even like find them in stock at $70. Yeah. I really should have bought one at 40 when they were on sale in the, uh, in the holiday time. But yeah, I cannot stand what new controllers cost right now. They're crazy on everything. Yeah. 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 And I kind of wish there was like a, at this point in time, since there's so much things that are multi-platform, I mean, I like there's like mm-hmm. 99% of everything anymore. I wish there mm-hmm. was like a just a special controller consortium body that said, new features have to go through us and then be standardized to all the platforms yeah. so they'll actually get used. Because that's why you'll never get these Sony things used on anything is because Microsoft doesn't have them. And they're not yeah. going to have them. And so you're not going to write a game that has a crucial feature that it will not work on the other system. It's just not going right. to happen. Um, I see on your list here you're missing uh, HD Rumble. That's not. That's not a thing. That's a thing. 
that's just like multiple rumble settings. That's not really a thing. Sure it is. If dual analog is different than analog, then uh, multiple <laughs> rumbles is different than rumble. If you say so, Chief. I'll let you have <laughs> I don't it, know. It, it is, I like it. It, it, okay. it is really impressive, I yeah. will say. Like, uh, good, same with Returnal. Normal. Like, you go outside and you can, like, feel raindrops, like, in your hands. Or when you're playing Ghost of Tsushima and, like, the horse galloping actually feels like yeah. the galloping noise you're hearing. It's, it's, with, it's without, really without, without, lo- it's not like without looking technology. at the screen. Yeah. Without looking at the screen, you could be walking and transition from, like, grass to sand and yes. you can tell. In Astro? Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm they've done a really good job of improving it, but it's not new mm. tech. You know what I mean? No, no, no. You he said it's HD. Yeah, it's HD Rumble. <laughs> that, they well, added what words was the to other it. That weird means it's new. Technology the PS5 had with my ears that I don't remember anymore. Oh, the 3D <laughs> spatial, audio, spatial audio. Like it was you, customized you, you. to my ear holes. <laughs> so yeah, so I I don't know about that, but I gotta say I was I was driving home from the movie theater uh, after John Wick, and there was a Ranger game on, and I threw my AirPods in, and I had the like the game going, and the phone was like sitting on the seat next to me, and as I'm like back in the car out, I like turned my head like this, and before I turned my head, I was listening to the commentary in both ears, and then I turned my head, and I only heard it in the right ear. And then I turned my head the other way and I only heard it in my left ear. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like the <laughs> AirPods are giving me spatial audio. Like they're giving it to me as if it's in front of me. I didn't even know they did that. So uh, I don't have them. So I don't know. Yeah. So, but like yeah, when you say like when Sony offered, uh, it's, oh, like, we have spatial 3D audio. Like I, I used to be like a surround sound guy where I'm like, oh, surround sound's the best and movies. Oh, you can hear arrows behind you and stuff. And then I very quickly kind of fell out of that. I'm like, ah, I don't care as long as it sounds okay. I'm all right. So whenever companies are kind of like, oh, Dolby Atmos or 3D or spatial sound or like it, it sounds like you're actually getting your hair cut when you're getting your hair cut. Like <laughs> that stuff kind of flies right by me. Like I don't care that much. But then when I actually experience something with sound that I think is cool, I'm like, ooh, that actually is not bad. Yeah, like Hellblade, like that one blew me away with the sound design. Mm. Oh, yeah, with the voices. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I, I just, not that this had anything to do with this topic, I just remember that whole big, before PS5 came out, that Mark Cerny's like, we're mapping the inside of your ear. Yeah, and, I'm like, and didn't they, they wanted people <laughs> to like send pictures of their ears yeah. to Sony for like a few months. Yeah, yeah and you're like, I don't want to support your weird ear yeah. fetish. This they is were like, making, they were making those like Velociraptor voice boxes so they could like. <laughs> <laughs> it was another dumb idea that never went anywhere. Mm. Um. Okay, so we've talked about, I think, the major points. We're going to wrap up, um, although I see an honorable mention. I don't know who this is, is, so why don't we fire that off real quick, and then we'll talk about faves and, and stinkers. So Yeah, so I, I, I threw it in there forgetting that the microphone was in there in the Famicom era. Uh, as I was just thinking about kind of like weird, quirky things, I threw in the Dreamcast microphone as an honorable, um, but yeah, as it turns out, it, it wasn't wasn't the first this was kind of like a quirky mm. thing that we got had to hey you pikachu to before our... that too yeah yeah hey you had a mic so yeah this was just the one that i guess was on my radar but uh this is why the the museums won't hire me because i don't do my research <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Well, Dreamcast okay. had a lot of weird controllers, though, like maracas and fishing rods. And yeah, yeah I, just, I think those are weird one-offs. I just kind of try yeah. to get the main things. Again, we'd totally. be here all night. Um, <clears throat> the you guys, Donkey, Donkey you guys, Konga, big if fan. If you guys want to pick weird uh, types of controllers for a topic upcoming, I'm down for that. Absolutely. So let's go around. I want to. I want to hear your fave controller ever, and then like, what's your biggest stinker controller that you that you yeah. hate? And then I've got some stuff to read from our patrons. So I'm gonna flip it up, Kelsey. Tell me about your faves and your your stinkers. I think my fave, and it's probably just because I'm super comfortable with it at this point. But the NES pad, the basic standard brick one, I am. I've spent so much time with that controller that uh, <laughs> it just feels like second nature, even though I hold it different than most people do now. Uh, and I have different grips on it for different games. Like if I'm playing a shoot 'em up, I'm using my my two fingers, like we talked about. But you know, if I'm playing an RPG and I don't need my quick movement, I'll hold it like a normal human being. Um, and I and I'll adapt for for different games too. If I need a button mash uh, or something, like I'll not even a dog bone guy. No, I, I don't like the dog bone. I, I need to feel those corners digging into my hands so that I know where the controller is positioned. When the whole side's round, you know, it could be anywhere. I don't know if it's sticking up or down. It could be pointing in any direction. Um, so I love that one. Um, I want to give a quick shout-out to the, uh, the Saturn pad, too, uh, the one that most closely resembles the uh, Super Nintendo one. Um, yeah, you're talking about not the original U.S. Saturn. Not the original one that's like fat, the like thinner one. Yes. That, yes. Yeah, that kind of looks like a an M. Uh, I yes. really like that one. Yeah, it's kind of like a little kidney bean shape. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and like, does the Neo Geo controller count? That's it's just an arcade stick. It's great. The AES. No. I, I, yeah. No, I I'll take that. It's a very well built. There's controller. no rules. It's amazing. So, uh, what's the worst? What's the stinker? Where's uh, the Jaguar controller? Because even if you ignore that, uh, that you don't need the number pad, the fact that it's there makes it hard to hold the rest of the controller and like just use it. Like if they took that off, it'd basically be a Genesis controller, which then it would be passable. <laughs> but it's like imagine if a Genesis controller was harder to hold. That's a, a Jaguar <laughs> controller. I, I do not like those ones. <laughs> Bill, how about you? Uh, it almost feels like cheating to go with like the current like high-end uh, controller as my favorite, but it really is like just the thing that I find the most joy in, just picking it up, holding it, feeling it, using it. Um, the Xbox Elite controller, I do not have the version 2. I have the version 1 still. I've had it for years. Yeah, I got it for like 99 bucks at Costco on sale, which I was like, all right, that's kind of a good, you know, more than a standard, but like, you know, less than what I think would be like an exorbitant amount. And it's worked great for years. I've replaced the joystick, uh, sorry, the thumbstick a few times because like the rubber grippies kind of like rub out or sorry, uh, wear out after use. Um, it just feels so it's got like it's got heft. I really don't like a controller that doesn't feel like there's anything to it. Like the, like the Saturn, I remember using Saturn controllers and like you would go to put it down and the, the cord was so much heavier than the controller <laughs> would pull it off the, yeah. off the table. Like I can't stand a controller that just feels like it's hollow plastic. Right. That, that this is thing, a downside to the Saturn controller. I totally, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Xbox elite controller feels like John wick would use it in a scene uh, to, you know, 
take somebody out. Was that a so spoiler I, I, from John Wick Four? I haven't seen it. Yet. Uh, I, I shouldn't have said. I should, I've said too much. <laughs> I've gone too far. Um, but yeah, so that that's got to be my favorite. And and as far as a stinker, um, it's it's tough because I could point to any number of controllers that are obvious stinkers. But I kind of wanted. I'm kind of leaning towards one that I've spent a considerable amount of time with. Um, so uh, I. This is probably not a hot take or anything, but the N64 controller is just nothing mm. but headaches for me. What? It's uh, I was able to I was able to play through Ocarina on it. I enjoyed that game very much. Um, I'm not a huge N64 guy, so I didn't play like a ton else other stuff. A little Mario 64, some Mario Kart, you know, some of the mainstays. But like the way the analog stick just feels like it dies when this rubber band doesn't want to work anymore. Um, the way that like. It, it I, I just don't feel comfortable like with the face buttons the 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 shoulder button like one's available to you at a time and then you get that other weird one and it's like all this stuff is functional like I can make it work but like just looking at it and using it like do you like I, the Z button at least though I really like the Z button the, that's the center right that's the one underneath the middle yeah yes yes very that, much that's so. a good the, that's a good button. The left and right shoulder, I don't know if I ever used. Um, you're not, you're and, not playing enough think, Pokemon uh, Coliseum def, or Pokemon Stadium. Def, def, definitely you not. Got to dig in the um, ground with your Sandshrew, push them really quick. Yeah, it, and it, it really like a lot of it maybe maybe centers around the fact that the analog it like is so prone to just dying and being weird, and also that there's no rubber on it. It's just plastic, uh, uh, like under the left thumb there. And for things that are kind of simplified where it's like, okay, just like A and B, just like a couple of buttons and like, you know, go through your stuff like that's fine. And the way Zelda did it, where the yellow buttons were the C buttons rather were kind of like, you know, not in your regular, you know, kind of usage. Like they were kind of like if you had to, you know, like map to an item or something like that. But like so if something that was designed to be used for that controller specifically but I just try to think of even though like you don't have like Street Fighter and, and kind of stuff like that on there, like just not having like a traditional face. And yeah, I, 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 I don't have fond memories of using it's that a, controller. It's a good Street Fighter setup. It's got the same as the six button Sega. So when you're playing like Killer Instinct or Clay Fighter, you got your uh, your low, medium, T- high tiny. right in a row. So like tiny, tiny yellow buttons <laughs> with like hard edges on them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so because I'm looking through the others, like I really, really like the Wii controller. Like forgetting the shortcomings of the six axis, like the overall shape and and form factor of the Dual Shocks is solid all the way around. Um, I have no complaints on the Nintendo uh, uh, original. I don't. I I could take or leave the dog bone. The one we played more than anything else was the NES Max, which was what my parents got us instead of the the acclaimed double action wireless. So it's this little, you know, very boomerang looking thing. And it's and we didn't talk about this specifically, but it's got an interesting D-pad and in that it's like how would you describe it? It's like that little red a disc circle. Yeah, it's like a disc that, that moves slides within the over. range of a second disc. <laughs> Nintendo yeah, called it the cycloid. The cycloid <laughs> is that what it's called? It's what, what it's called on the packaging. And and it was cool. Like you had just your two buttons. You had turbos if you wanted them. But like for the way that I would hold a controller, like my, you know, the pinky and the ring finger would 
curled down the bottom kind of the way that future controllers did so i just remember holding it and thinking oh man like this this is great and once we got the nes max i don't think we went back to the uh the old controller um you know uh, after that so i was almost thinking that but i mean the uh the, i got i'm going i'm going to stick with the um the uh, the elite for my current favorite and uh the old N64 as the dog. So if the Elite could let you change the D-pad to a cycloid, it'd be the perfect Ooh. controller. We, we'd, we'd, we'd certainly have some options. And, and throw a Z button behind there. <laughs> oh, you know what? The the, uh, the paddles. I, I know uh, it's got the, the paddles, paddles but the, they're in bad spots. I don't like where the paddles are at. They need to move them in closer. In closer, you mean like to the center? Of like the like where they connect to the controller is where I want to push them. Gotcha. Okay. So you don't want to push them down. You want to push them higher up, like on that inside part. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I could see that. I mean, the, the cool thing is uh, the you don't have to use the paddles that it comes with. So you could experiment with placement. But yeah, I, I, and that took a, a little bit of time as well. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really get super great at it because I eventually moved to Destiny on the PC. But when I got the Elite and when because what you used to have to do is if you were moving with, you know, your left hand and you were your right, sorry, your left thumb and then your right thumb was where you were looking, you had to remove your right thumb to jump. So it would just slow you down just that slight bit. So just just that small change of mapping jump to one of the back paddles, just giving you another A button on the back like. Ooh, like it really would started to make a difference and then i went to mouse and keyboard um so uh I, you know kind of got away from controller but man the uh the paddles have some some great applications if you, you don't mind getting used to them so to round out um for my favorite controller i'm i'm gonna go i mean it's based i'm gonna say two things they're basically the same thing though the the sega genesis six button pad and the sega saturn you know, smaller pad that Kelsey was talking about. Really, stylistically, those are almost the same sort. They just added shoulder buttons to the Saturn pad. But that yeah. style and that size just fits my hands perfectly. I, I don't have monster mega hands, so a control that's nice and tight like that is really perfect for me. Um, seems like all the controls these days are, are meatier and... Uh, that's not always fantastic for me. I mean, I use them, but having something that's nice and compact like that, I really enjoy. And, uh, man, that, I don't know why still to this day we can't have six face buttons. Why can't we have six face buttons? I mean, I don't know. Come on, people. It's not that hard. (laughs) So anyway, um, and I would say, um, my, my least favorite, I'm going to, again, like, tie these because i think they're like very similar in nature and that would be the phillips cdi standard (laughs) controller uh and maybe it's kin of another kind the the atari 7800 standard controller in the u.s um like i don't know what that i'm gonna hold this thing in my hand like a remote and try to use a little joysticky thing that's never a good idea, right? Like we got rid of that a long time ago. It's never a good. I can't imagine why on earth Atari stuck with that here in the U.S. after the NES and Master System showed don't do this anymore. And then I don't know what kind of crazy crack Phillips was smoking 
when they created the original CDI controller. That thing is ungodly horrible. And Kelsey, you're, you're welcome that you got the good one with the system Thank I, you. I sent you. Because my God, that other one is so bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I could see what you guys are talking about with some of the other ones, but there are just certain shapes that things shouldn't be in your hands to do things. And yeah, to me, that's that's that. Don't do that. That's And uh, as again, a special mention, my God, no lights on controllers again, ever. Don't ever, ever do that again, ever, ever. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to talk about from our patrons here. Um, our buddy Game Boy Guru, or also Metal Fro on some of the different places. Um, he says, underrated controller. I don't know if this is underrated. I also would echo the sentiment. But it says, the Sega Saturn 3D pad. It's the one that came with Nights into Dreams. Uh, it's comfortable to hold for someone big hands and had some cool features. Unfortunately, it feels like Sega went backwards with the Dreamcast controller, which the 3D pad feels like a prototype for. They omitted two action face buttons. The cable coming out from the bottom was a confusing choice, and it's yeah. not comfortable to hold. The Hall Effect analog stick was a nice touch, but the 3D control portion of the Saturn pad was a unique and interesting component that I feel like could have been iterated on, and they never did. I will agree. Like, whatever that weird, like, 3D analog stick on the Saturn pad is very unique and has a very yeah. unique feel yeah. to it, and it works really well. It's chunky. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if I can echo his sentiments on the Dreamcast controller, this is a controller that I thought I loved, <laughs> and then I, like, went back to it, and it's it's got such a thinner feel like when you hold it like like those grips for your hands on the side they really are smaller than i remember we talked about not having the second analog but the other thing that like i forgot about until i used it uh you know in the last few years is one of the buttons i think it's like the a or the b button i can't remember has like a little like like a little protrusion yeah. on it, like yep. a little dot. Like a nub. Yeah. And I and it's probably just for you to be able to locate what like button you are key. without yeah. looking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's like just <laughs> it's just big enough where like if I'm like really going after it, it's like, oh man, like I don't yeah. like that. His point to the cord coming out of the bottom too, like they knew that was an issue. They put a notch in there to get it out of the way. Like why didn't they just yeah, put the cord could, out of the right. top? You could, because you the could VMUs snap had it into to go that up there. thing. That's the right. I had to go up there. <laughs> I forgot about they put a cable path in there so you could just and because my brother would always like yank it like too hard and like notch it. Like no, you got to give it like a little bit of slack yeah. and then let it come up yeah. and then notch too it. Too tight. In. Uh, Our buddy engineer that. Mike. He didn't have much to say other than it says Nintendo makes the best D-pads. I can't disagree with that. Um, I, I know the Nintendo design is no longer under patent, which is why we can have the classic cross D-pad in other places. Hey, Sony, get the hint. Um, I actually, I like Sony's D-pad. That's my number two after the Nintendo ones. I like the Sony really? ones. Really? Yeah. I hate the Sony D-pad. I like it. Uh, it's not a D-pad. Yeah. It's buttons. Uh, yeah. But it works. I, I can I, yeah. do combos and get moves off in fighting games with it. Whereas I can't okay. ever do that on any Xbox D-pad. I hate those ones. Yeah, I, I really, really, really like the clickiness of the D-pad on the Elite. 
Um, the the D pads on the Switch lights are so muddy. I really, really don't like. That's what my kids mo- mainly play on. So they'll hand me the DS light to like, you know, get something on the eShop or like, you know, help them like do through a thing. And I'm like, man, this D pad's bad. From like, you know, who you would think would have like a great D pad. And I don't use the, and and I don't use the OG switch like all that much, um, but when I when I go to use it, I'm like, yeah, I mean this no isn't D-pad. that like it just it just buttons on this guy, and then it's like okay, well I got the pro controller, and then you grab the pro controller, and the D pad on that guy's kind of muddy. It's so not like good, I, yeah. So sometimes so sometimes like when people say like oh Nintendo makes the best, like I agree they have made some of the best ever. But none of the current D pads in my yeah. house on Nintendo things are great. Agreed. I, I, would, I could agree with that. Like the Wii U Pro Controller is probably the last good D pad they made. Mm. Yeah, that one's really good. Mm. Yeah. Yep, that's a good controller. Um, but uh, I will say, Kelsey, I don't know if you've tried it. The I think out of current gen controllers, the Xbox Elite D pad is the best D pad. I have tried it. I hate it. I hate it. Really? It feels yeah. like an old school Nintendo D-pad. I don't have any accuracy or precision with it. I don't know. I've tried it a couple oh, times and okay. just I can't input anything to save my life on it. All right. Well, moving on to our buddy uh, Zofar or Travis, our good pal there. He says the SNES or Super Nintendo, whichever way your country pronounces it. <laughs> Uh, was definitely hard to beat. It was one of my all-time favorites. I know a lot of people hate on it, but I really love the NES Max, speaking of that controller. The circle pad was garbage in retrospect, <laughs> but it had a comfortable shape, and I liked having easy access to turbo buttons. I had a, a Max as well, like Bill was saying back in the day. I also really enjoyed it. I I don't know if I would say it's garbage in retrospect. I can still go back to it. Although, now that my fingers are bigger, I don't really use the thing in the middle. I just circle around the outside of the pad itself, like whatever that thing yeah. is. Yeah, because the, there was like that black, like almost like a compass yep. looking uh, thing. Yeah, I didn't realize you could press on that. Yep. And as he said, I didn't realize this controller got hate. I just don't hear it talked about a lot. And we, we just had one and played it a lot. But I was going to say that it's probably hard to do certain things on it, like if you're doing like, you know, like up, up, down, down type things. But now knowing what you just said, that you can just hit that area around the, uh, what do you call it? The circumnavigator? The cycloid. Uh, oh, the cycloid. Okay. Yeah. So maybe I'll give that a try if I can get my hands on one. It sits in a weird place because it was never designed by Nintendo. Um, they licensed it over here. But. Uh, probably why we never saw another one hmm. he also says i had a uh, i think it's a turbo touch 360 for a while oh god help you the d-pad was just a big touch pad oh took, yeah i played on took that some getting bit, used yeah. to but it made a nice like, smooth hard, motion once you got the hard hang of it what it like it was like hard yellow plastic yes. though, that yeah. you were like yeah <laughs> god those sucked no offense that sucked. <laughs> um and then I had a programmable pad for a while that I really liked. Uh, I don't even really remember what it was called, but you could program macros into three additional buttons located on the face buttons. You used to pull mm. off Street Fighter moves a bit back in the day. Until I, until the day I got angry losing a game and threw it. Uh, I guess he was a controller thrower as a kid. He says, it broke how, how the could shoulder you, how, buttons. How could he what? lose? He had macros. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> it broke one of the shoulder buttons off. He was so sad that he broke it that he's never thrown another controller again. Well, there's the gold lining. <laughs> I like that. I for yeah, I forgot I forgot about the Turbo Touch, but I see it in my mind now that he says yeah. the name of it. Yeah. Um, I forgot that macros were a thing. And um, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about third party because Chris mainly focused the list on like innovation and new things coming out. But the, the picture of the controller here behind me is one of the only third party controllers that I ever really enjoyed. Uh, I always said this is AC. Um, I don't know if people say ASCII, um, but it's like this Genesis um, pad, third party pad that came in a, like a Costco, one of those big clamshell bundles uh, when you get them at the at the, the you know, the the membership club stores and it's very much shaped like a super nintendo controller with like the four face buttons and the two shoulders with options on each one for like regular turbo um i think it was like regular like slow turbo and fast turbo maybe or maybe one was auto um but yeah just something about uh the the shape of it um it's it's cool when you can kind of find a controller that just kind of like you can't explain it just fits it feels good like you like it and this is the only I'm glad that he mentioned some third-party uh, stuff because it kind of got me thinking about some of the ones that... Uh, and there was a lot of third-party uh, fight sticks over the years because there weren't always first-party options mm -hmm. uh, that were uh, that were easy to did, find. Did either of you guys ever use the uh, the fight pad for the 3DO? That, like, hold, you hold that super, at, like, a cool angle? I had the Super Nintendo version of that one. Yes. Yeah, that pad was solid. Surprisingly good for... Uh, like it looks ridiculous but it feels pretty good yeah it's like this weird mix of uh, a, a hand grip a d-pad and six face buttons so you had to like use it like on a leg or like i would put it on my leg and use the buttons like street fighter arcade stick buttons but then again i'm using a d-pad with the grip on the on the yeah. other one. i think it was like one i mean capcom sold it it was their pad yeah, i think it was official yeah yeah, I think it was like called like the Fight Pad Six or I don't remember, but yep, I had Super Nintendo one. It was a good pad. Yeah, it's pretty very unique. Never seen anything quite like that again. Um, yeah, and we could do again a whole another show on on third party controllers for sure. But um, that will wrap up this episode. So just a couple quick things on the way out. Number one, again, I big thanks to our patrons. We really appreciate a. Uh, your patronage and be the conversation i think that's a, a big thing it's the interaction and get to chat with you folks chris Again, likes you to hear join? about your bathroom habits <laughs> uh, and uh, if you want to join and, and hear about this too you can over at patreon.com slash collector you can find the show everywhere you find shows except soundcloud because i'll never figure that one out but nobody uses it anymore anymore right they use spotify <laughs> for everything so that's fine and, uh, you know, you can find us on the socials pretty much anywhere I run the show accounts uh, that are under our particular show name. But Bill and Kelsey, where can folks find you? What do they need to know? Who, me? Either of you. You can talk. Yeah, I, I, I still lurk on Twitter a little bit. It's Bill underscore McGee, M-C-G-E-E. Uh, but no, no one pays attention to me over there. Uh, I post on Instagram, uh, when I go to concerts and, uh, stuff like that. So, uh, I think it's, I think that's wild bill 52 on Instagram. 
I'm pretty sure. So uh, I, I'll be honest with all the craziness in the universe the last number of months. I it I find it hard to spend time on Twitter just mm-hmm. because of just the world. So I'm I'm trying to scale back into something as light as possible on the socials. And Instagram just feels like, oh, here's a picture of a cool thing I'm doing. And like, you know, no words, no, nothing else. So that's where I've been spending more of my social time lately. They're in Discord because, you know, you got good people uh, where you choose to have your little corner of the Internet. So, yeah, Instagram and Discord is really the best spot for me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kelsey Polnick, uh, where I exclusively just tag Bill once a day in guitar <laughs> slash video game memes. I saw that. that, was, that was, the Wonderwall one was good. <laughs> well, you, man, you might want to follow Kelsey soon uh, for the book. Hopefully we'll hear more about the book soon. But Hopefully, uh, yeah. Follow along. Making uh, a book's we'll... a slower process than I keep thinking it should be. I mean, you have to have the scribes write all those pages. I mean, it takes it's time. True. Those, those <laughs> yeah. uh, Tibetan monks don't uh, transcribe very quickly. Yeah. Once they once they come up with a movable type printing press, then we're really going to be rocking forward. Exactly. Well, very good. You can find me at the show accounts. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit like Bill. I don't try to spend a ton of time on the socials. I do like the Discord. But uh, you'll always get the show announcements wherever you want to find them. And... Uh, We love talking to you. We hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time.